Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, 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 hello. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. My name is Alex Q, and welcome to the fifth episode of Miscast. Just grow a pair rings. (laughs) Just, just grow a, just grow a pair. No words, Alex. No words anymore. Just go pairings. <laughs> this is the fifth episode in our short series where each episode, using the expertise of my superstar co-host and special guest, we will discuss tabletop topics that we hope will help improve your generalship, expertise and enjoyment of your gaming experience. It's the podcast that will talk nonsense and sense in, well, in an equal measure. And it's a podcast <laughs> that's been re-watching thriller horror movies from years past like Silence of the Lambs and American Psycho. Ooh. It's that kind of podcast. Nice. Amazing. I'm, I, love this pod, I love this podcast. Uh, I, I'm a particular fan of this. What's the one? There's like an 80s one, which was the prequel. Red, like it's the, it's the Red Dragon movie. Have you seen that one? Oh, the Hannibal prequel one. Yeah, with the guy from CSI in it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah one you're that's of. my fave. Yeah, yeah but I can't think Over of Over Silence of the Lambs? Over yeah, Clarice. Oh, yeah, yeah, over Clarice. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'd forgotten how freaky he is, um, Anthony Hopkins. For anyone who hasn't seen this film, watch it. It's amazing. Um, I'd forgotten how freaky he is with his eyes. And you know when he walks? He walks with his arms down by the side and he doesn't move his arms. If you go back and watch the film, as he's walking around, he never moves his arms and he never blinks. Like, <laughs> a, thund- really- like a thunderbird. Like a thunderbird. Like David Bowie out of the labyrinth, just floating about. <laughs> Yeah, just like around, like a cannibalistic David Bowie. That's how we're describing <laughs> the silence. I of the can't. Um, I can't watch horror films. They scare me. I'm too. I'm too emotive. I um, 
Do you know The Grudge? Is it The Grudge with um, with Buffy in it? Was it The Grudge? Oh, yeah, Sarah Michelle Gellar, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, Grudge. So- the one where she has the fingers come out of her head. Yeah, so there's a scene in that where she's she's in a lift and she's going up in the, the elevator. That, sorry, it's an American film. She's going up in the elevator and you can see out the corridor. It's a very long corridor each time she goes up um, up a level, you know. And at the right at the end, I tell you what I really can't fucking do, zombie children. Right at the end of this corridor, there's this little <laughs> zombie child and boom, goes up a level. The zombie child's closer, boom, goes up a level. Zombie child's closer, boom, goes up a level. Zombie child's closer, boom. The zombie child's head is slightly at a tilt right by the glass. And at that point, the kid goes, meow. And I absolutely <laughs> shit myself in the cinema. I go, ah! quiet. And then there's a group of Japanese tourists, I can only assume, right at the back of the cinema screen. And they all go, they, they all laugh, but very high pitched. So it's like a kind of laugh. Mm. And then, then the whole cinema laughs at the Japanese people laughing at me. And it was just like, it was the most surreal, it was the most surreal cinematic experience I've ever had. I felt very, yeah, I can't do zombies, zombie, I can't do zombie children and I can't. Horror children in general is just, it's just (laughs) awful. It's like the ring, the ring as well. That's a good one. Children of the Corn, have you seen that? Oh, Oh, I haven't seen that. That's not one I've seen. That's a Stephen King adaptation. That's great. Uh, Manhunter, by the way, is the name of the 80s. uh, sort yeah, of Hannibal yes, Lecter, yes. yeah, and it's it's directed by Michael Mann, who did uh, he, Michael Mann. It he, sounds like a great, great porn, uh, doesn't it? This <laughs> <laughs> I would highly highly recommend that movie. By the this way, this is for for the listeners, the regular listeners. This is not leading into another Darren Knees story. It's fine. So don't worry about it. <clears throat> no so, knees, yes. no knees were made dirty in the telling of this ramble. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Right, so enough of the uh, enough of the uh, the horror movie stuff. Um, right, let's get my first lovely co-host in. You've heard his sexy serenades already. He goes by at Positive Victim on Twitter. It's Darren Watson. Hi, Darren. Ooh. Hey, beautiful. You well? Right. Me? Yes. Let me tell you about my week. If um, if you've got, I don't know, twenty minutes. Two hours. Yeah, okay. Um, So today I've had a lovely day, very, very busy day. I've got three one-to-ones done today, which is wonderful. I had my first training game on on TTS, which went really well, considering how crap I am with technology. That's Age of Sigma one-to-ones, right? Yes, yes, they are. And I've had a very busy day. I've got 20 models built, Grimgasts built, and I've also had a full day of doing life insurance. Um, But the news I've got for you is um, I'm engaged. Congratulations! Thank you, thank you very much. I yeah, um, congrats. It was done in a very a typical Darren way. Alex describes it as, um, <laughs> in so much as I didn't know I was going to do it. It was entirely spontaneous, and I've done it. The comp- I d- didn't have a ring. I hadn't asked the father's permission. I just we just spent the we just spent the day together and the evening together. And I'd spent the entire evening just in awe of my girlfriend, Alex. We went to, uh, it was my friend Dave's 60th birthday. And we arrived at the pub. There's three chaps that we've never met before. Dave is part of our pub quiz team that we go to in the Bold Forester on Tuesdays. Um, we adopted him, actually. We we were playing and he was on his own and he leant over and he gave us the right answer to a question. So we said, right, you can be on our team. Um, and he's been on our team every Tuesday since for the past six months. Um so we love Dave. Anyway, I, I left, we arrive at the pub, 
we get introduced to three of Dave meets. They're in the 60s and I, I need a toilet. So I go to the toilet and I come back and Alex is in the middle of all these chaps. She's she's the light and soul. You know, they're all completely engaged with her. You know, And I was just thinking to her, gosh, she's wonderful. She can just meet anyone. She just lights up. She improves every evening. Later on in the evening, we go to the Jolly Sailor and a couple of my friends from Bruce Bowl turn up one of them being Matt who she's never met before and she goes out of her way to sit down with him make him feel great you know spends a good 20-30 minutes with him asking him all sorts of lovely questions he's having a great time he's not the most um confident of people so you you could see he really he really appreciated the um, the effort that she'd gone to and she does it effortlessly she didn't identify him as someone that was you know, not so good socially. She just she just does that with everyone. And I was just thinking, God, you're just bloody brilliant. Um, and then this, this live band that was playing, they were so good. They were so good. They played everything from Oasis to like the streets. Um, and it yeah, it was really good. And at the end of Don't Look Back in Anger, Alex turns around to me and we've had a good dance and we've been spinning about. And she says, um, oh, we really, I love this band. I, we really need to book them for something. And I was thinking the same thing, but I was thinking, I want to book this band for my wedding. And then I thought, fuck it, I'm just going to ask her. Now, oh, we didn't even know. No, I didn't. I didn't know. Oh, I'm it, on tender hooks, Darren. This is like right. a movie. Well, the reason I've not asked, I've been with Alex, I'm 12 years older than Alex. So it's, I've always felt like I met her when she was 19 and a half. And then it took, she pursued me for six months. Um, Because I always thought that's, you know, I was 31 at the time, then then became 32. I always thought this is a bit dodge. But love is love. Um, (laughs) And um, (laughs) she woke up on her her 20th birthday and went, Darren, you're no longer dating a teenager. And I felt terrible. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I've always felt like... I've always felt like I don't want to trap her. Marriage is such an important decision. And like where she, I didn't want to ask her when she was younger. I wanted to ask her when she was, oh, God, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? Fully capable. Like she's, she is a fully capable woman and she has been for a long time. I think, I think a lot of it was just in my head. But so re, in recent years, I've been thinking, right, I want to, I want to ask, I want to live, you know, be with this woman forever. Um, but I've always thought, oh, I don't have enough money for this, that or the other. And it, it, long story short, in that moment, it just all bubbled out of me. And I just, mm. I said to her, mm. I know who we need to book this band for. We need to book them for our wedding. And then she looked at me very quizzically. <laughs> she didn't say yes immediately, which really worried me. She went, are you drunk? And I was like, no, no, I'm not drunk. <laughs> I'm not drunk. And she went, because if you are, that's a terrible time to ask me. And I was like, no, I'm not drunk. And then we saw, the, then the next song came on. And I, in my head, I was having this utter crisis. I was like, oh, my God, I fucked up, like, the most, what should be the most sweet, wonderful moment of our our lives. And I was like, right, keep it together. Just dance as if you're okay. And at the end of the song, she went, so you're definitely not drunk. I said, I'm definitely not drunk. And then her eyes absolutely lit up. You know when you first go out with someone and they get, they've got twinkly eyes? And that's when all those sort of chemicals and you know that the scientific part of love is happening that that fades after two years you know you no longer have that those those chemicals because you know as, as, as i understand it um because that's the amount of time it takes to meet someone have a baby and raise them you know and for me the magic of love is when that fades you still have something special 
Um, and it's the first time I'd seen like Alex's eyes twinkle like they had when we first met. It was just, it was really cool. Um, and yeah. And then she said, yes, of course I will. And then since then she's just, been, she's, she, she walks around the house singing fiance, 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 fiance. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Oh, Darren, you are. Oh, it's just, it was brilliant. Nah, man, you are a good, you're a, you're a good soul. I don't want yeah, to talk I, about, I don't want to talk about toy soldiers anymore. I just want to hear yeah, about yeah. your relationship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, genuinely, that was great. That was awesome. And we did say when we started this podcast, we wanted people to feel good. And what that is a feel good moment right there. So yeah, congratulations, Darren. Thank that's, you. Um, congratulations. That's really good. Thank you. I appreciate it. But enough of that romantic stuff, because your first love was Sigma, right? Well, it was fantasy, Warhammer <laughs> fantasy, definitely. <laughs> um, just quickly before we go on to um, to Owen, if we have to, um, how is the rest of the Patreon stuff? Is that all right? We're at capacity now. We've got 30, I think a couple of people left today, actually, um, which is fine, because when you... you if you if you're not getting value from something, you should absolutely not be there. Yeah, um, yeah sure. But I'm at I'm at capacity anyway. I've had we're starting to get some results for some chaps. So some people are starting to win games. What's really exciting me is I'm very very like when I when we, when we discuss lists, I'm very like these are my ideas, but please I want you to build on them. Like I don't just want you to t- copy and paste or take what I'm saying as read. I want you to use the concepts that I'm. It, it perhaps introducing to you and I want you to meld them with your own and people are coming back with their own lists and they're starting to get results I've had um, some chap that's never gone he goes to a lot of one dayers um, his best result previously was 2-1 and he's gone 3-0 recently you know so it's fucking nerve-wracking thinking that people are spending money to get some results and then what if they don't get any results? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. People are starting to see some results and some people are starting to come back with some some really cool, well thought out lists. The sort of feedback I'm getting is, oh, I really like the fact that I'm not just netlisting. I'm not just searching for the net, next netlist now. I'm sitting down and I'm considering this, that and the other. And the, the, a, a couple of people have been doing sort of battle reports for me. Um you know, and going through it and they're there, you know, it's just really exciting hearing someone's um, development and understanding, in, you know, cl- clearly increase, you know. So, yeah, it's going well. It's exciting. I am enjoying it. I am wondering how much I can actually <laughs> build from this because there's, surely there's a there's a point where they don't need me anymore. It's a bad business model, isn't it? But uh... <laughs> I'm not, I'm not in it for the money. But, yeah, thank you. It is going, it's going very well. It's very awesome. Exciting. Yeah, I've heard some good things. So, yeah, it's, that's great. Right. Let's let us stop chatting, Darren, and get uh, Mr. Sexy Sock Seductor in. Mm. Uh, you can find him at Sock Me Daddy on the gram. He's at OJ180 on Twitter. It's the Owen Jackson. The. Hi, Owen. Hello. Hello, listeners. You know what's happened, Owen, by the way? Go on. We've only gone and reached 500 followers, Owen. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very much aware of this fact, yes. I am. It's on the pile with all the other stuff I need to do. But yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to come up with some, some, some sock, uh, some bespoke miscast socks. 
for uh yeah for everyone to wear you know to high-powered business meetings or when they <laughs> the want stuff. to pronounce oh, my one-to-ones know. i want to be wearing yeah. my one-to-ones or when you propose to your <laughs> you know girlfriend <laughs> part boyfriend you know like yeah. for those special moments there will be socks for for I can't, oh. the only ones I, I'm really like sort of fixating on is the realm of Jazir ones that I want to do. Realm of Jazir with a the realm of Jazir ones. Jazir like Azir but with jazz in it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, a, the uh, I heard was jizz. So. No, you've, you've obviously had a had a great week and it's on the mind Darren so. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so yeah we'll, we'll do that definitely yeah I've so got- that's right listeners we will we are on it so yes yeah, socks so if you want some socks that now's now we're going to start doing them so keep your eyes that was eyes peeled ears peeled. yeah eyes, pe- eyes yeah. peeled eyes and ears eyes um, and ears peeled yeah. um yeah photo shoot incoming eh well yes <sighs> exactly yeah, exactly. And, and you're off to um, USA. 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 You're off to USA again. Yeah, or as, what did Rob call it on his recent um, tabletop in 10 minutes video? Uh, the United States of Yeehaw. I quite like that. So, yeah, I'm off, <laughs> I'm off there again. Uh, but no, I'm good. Yeah, working hard, lots going on. I haven't, I mean, it's an Age of Sigmar podcast. And I haven't really been playing a lot of Age of Sigmar. I, I did go to a tournament uh, and I took my trees again, which was fun. Um, again, so your tech piece, uh, your tech piece seekers again. Yes, they were fantastic in many games, uh, but but fragile. I'm I'm not playing the uh, the big bomb that um, uh, you know one of the other voices on this podcast is currently playing. <laughs> um, but yeah, three. I, I think of them uh, the Revenant Seekers. Now this is for the Sylvaneth. Uh, yeah, they are. They're this kind of like backfield sort of. They kind of. Crab. They only move sideways for the first few turns, <laughs> and then they can jump forward and do some stuff. But yeah, so I had I went up to Nottingham, played a tournament. That was fun. Uh, got my poo pushed in by the person who won it with Nighthaunt because they're totally busted. Um, and then <laughs> I won my other games. What did I, I put my notes here? I played David uh, Smith. I want to give him a special shout actually from the Irish team. Uh, mm-hmm. He did tell me that most of the Irish team don't like me because we marked them down for painting at six nations and i think i changed his mind i did ki- I, I, he's the only person yeah i only he's the only person i've kissed in quite a long time and i ki- i kissed him on the cheek on the saturday night uh it was really stubbly but um he was he was he was a, a delight he won best army and my favorite opponent and we all drank White Claw together and had a lovely time. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. It was amazing. Um, uh, yeah, I also played some Stormcast, uh, Ideneth, and I beat Thunder Lizard. Fuck you. Oh, <laughs> um, yes, and it was no book battle tactics or grand strategies, so it was a really no battle tone sort of um, stuff. So it was Oh, just good, GHB stuff. Yeah, yeah, pure GHB. So it was a, a good test. Um, I had a really nice time, came second, and that was, yeah, in prep for my trip over to see a previous guest, uh, Leo. I'm going to go mm. and fly to Washington on Wednesday. I'm going to go to Nova. Um, oh, wonderful. And Nova, yep. it should be exciting because it's it's the it's that cool format whereby it's a two-day. Oh, it's the end bracket, isn't yeah, it? Top have, eight, and yeah, then, oh, yeah, wow. I love this format. Cool. I love this format. Yeah, so um, we're both going to be trying, to, and but the the scoring is interesting because it's a really granular differential. So you either have to five zero or or get 
get a really crappy yeah you got to do real one. well don't you it's the yeah. same as um lvo format isn't it just explain for the listener what we're talking about i've just realized we haven't explained it so 200 person event and at the end of the sunday normally when all the well i was going to say prizes get given out but in the uk all the certificates get given out <laughs> um at that <laughs> point um the top eight players <laughs> then go forward to a um to, sorry to a uh, to a sunday like knockout top eight so um yeah so i would imagine it would be so yeah the eight best performing players over the course of the two days then go forward and i'd imagine it would be one place eight second place place yeah, seven that's, place yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah so and as usual you know i'm kind of getting to know the american meta quite well so lots of team america and uh, uh canadian team canada like uh national players plus lots of good you know local players and players from all over america so it should be uh yeah it should be a really competitive event and, and leo played nashcon last week mm, yeah his, with his uh, dragons yeah with his dragons um so yeah it'd be great looking forward to that but there's a battle tome to be finished before then um yes there's a there's there's the the there's the sound of teeny tiny feet and i'm not talking about i'm not talking about babies um yeah they're um there's there's something rustling in the undergrowth so yes um, we will be doing a um lovely podcast about what we're talking about but yeah. we don't necessarily want to mention it just yet Beastmasters. Yeah. yeah, no. Sorry. Um, so yeah, I'm okay. Not playing loads. Uh, you're about to play a ton because you're yeah. going to get through to Sunday Top 8 and smash oh. with the Americans. USA, USA, USA. Yes, so I'm great. Thank you. And it's a pleasure to be hanging out with you guys as ever. Oh, well, lovely to hang out with you as well, Owen. And what a good segue mentioning international superstars because we've got another one as our guest. So he is an international superstar and GT, another GT winner. Basically everyone we have on is just winners basically. So don't say we don't get the experts in for you. He makes the crowd go hug it wild. (laughs) He he is the Scylla black of AOS matchups. It's England's ex captain. I'm going to say ex captain. Fantastic. It's at LHW AOS on Twitter it's Laurie Huggett Wild, everybody. <clears throat> Evening, everyone. Thanks for having me. Very happy to be here. Hi, Laurie. That's the first done that joke with my surname as well, Alex. That's really inspired. <laughs> I can't <laughs> tell if you're being sarcastic or not. What's the black reference? Not the not Silla Black. Huggett Wild. Wild. Huggett Wild, Darren, not the Silla Black. <laughs> the Silla Black is Blind Date because it's didn't matchups. You say, didn't, you say, didn't you mention Silla Black? Yeah, I did. Yeah, he he, go, he makes the crowd go hug it wild. Was the first one. Yeah, and then, I got that. I got that. And then Silla back at AOS matchups because she did blind date, didn't she? You know, Darren, a joke is always better when you have to explain it over and over and over again. I did it for a minute or so. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. Laurie, all good. How are you doing, sir? All, all fun? How's Sigma? How's you were telling yeah. us about your hectic life before yeah. we started recording? I've got a little three-month baby, which is you know Aww. exactly exactly what you expected. It, but I'm also I'm currently sat next to a pile of twenty-one dice, which I keep on rolling to see how much damage my Gossamer archers would do. Um, which is <laughs> you know that's the closest I can get to playing at times, so it, it works. 
They just killed a magma drop actually just before I came on the podcast. So that's, Brilliant. that's exciting. I've got a question, Laurie. Is it worth four hundred and forty points though? But what what is Owen? What is in in the? Oh, we're going philosophical. Yeah. What is worth eight hundred <laughs> points in this world? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're you're silver nothing, aren't you? A, I am so I think I'm very very much enjoying the new book uh getting lots of games and as many as I can squeeze in um and writing lots of lists and as Owen mentioned earlier on the nine seeker train and then it's working out what you take with the rest of it hence hence Gossamer Archers which uh yeah I think are massively overpriced but maybe they fit who knows who knows yeah so if anyone wants to see do go to see uh Laurie's Twitter feed he does post some lovely pictures um <laughs> and as we mentioned on um, previous uh, episodes, it's quite useful to see, you know, lots of the top players and how they play and what they use and how they move things. And I find it quite useful to see the pictures anyway. But you're, so yeah, you're using this nine seeker list. And what's, what, what are you thinking with the Gossamids? You're trying to add something different into it's, it, are it's, you? This, this risk uh, straying into a Silverneff podcast. Um, and I actually did on Sunday, there's a Silverneff YouTube video I did with AOS Coach. So if anyone's interested in Silverneff, mm-hmm. then this is cross-marketing, cross, cross which I, I think is the main purpose of this podcast is to oh, yeah, cross-market cross other stuff. Uh, and so you've got nine you've got nine seekers and they are striking and fading each turn. So they're your, they're your thing going forward and striking and fading away. So what do you do with the rest of your army? You don't want, you can't strike and fade two things in most lists. So do you take uh, six bow hunters, which are definitely overpriced, or do you take 10 Gossman archers, which are also definitely overpriced? Um, uh, or do you take a tree Lord ancient, which is also definitely overpriced? So, so that's why that's the conundrum I'm having at the moment. Or so I don't think two hammers works personally. And so I'm trying to work out how I fill out the final 600 points of my list, basically. Is, yeah, it, is the answer to all three of those questions? No. Then what is it, Darren? I should become your patron, shouldn't I? One of your patrons. I, I don't know. Yeah, if, you yeah. think, if you're, if you, if they are genuinely overpriced. But but so this is the question, and and it's a good one. Um, are they? Uh, can something become not overpriced if it just fits what your list needs? They are overpriced in other lists. In my list, are they? Uh, do they actually do the job well enough? Um, mm. Yeah, because yeah, that's that's something to explore. Yeah, it is. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I agree with that. I think what I'd love to take actually is thirty dryads, but I think in the in the world of bounty hunters, they just des- get decimated too easily. Mm-hmm. I th- if you're having list problems, Rory, there is an excellent episode. It's called episode four <laughs> that we did last time about list building. It's fantastic. If even it if I am fantastic. biased, it is fantastic. I agree. It was a very you I had list problems that were bad for you, Sam. I got ninety nine <laughs> problems. List building ain't one. Hit me very good yeah that's that's what i should have done as the intro yeah, although it has yeah. resulted in me getting a lot of hex wraiths now which has got nothing to do with simon <laughs> weekly at all whatsoever you monster right i know i am a monster it's glorious right enough of that stuff shall we get into it so um people have messaged me about clocks um <laughs> do we want to do it <laughs> do you want to talk about clocks do you want to do this episode I... No. <laughs> so we're not going to do it. We will do it. We will do it in an episode, though. I promise. I will. We will do it. But this episode, if you didn't get my amazing title, um, we are going to do kind of half and half episodes. So we're going to talk a bit about team building for the first half. Then we are going to talk about pairing. So and pairings, particularly with um, uh, team tournaments. So basically, what pairings and kind of how do you go about getting better at pairings um and then we've so thank you again to everyone that have sent in your um 
misplays. We're going to do another misplay section today. Um, the amount of people that send in misplays over the plays is wonderful. <laughs> it's glorious to see so many people happy to show, show how um, basically they're cock ups, which is fantastic. Um, but let's let, so let's get right into it. Let's talk, start with team building. So Laurie, if we start with your fine self, and um, considering all your experience with team building, building Team England, and sure various other teams that you've been on, um, I want to start with people because I like the kind of people factors about this, and it's kind of how to go around building a team of people. And we talked a bit about it in our first episode, the world's episode. Um, but for you, in your experience. What's the kind of best route to to building a team re- with regarding people? Is it get people you're close to that you're friends with that you think are good players, or um, internationally speaking, is it about picking a group of people that get on, or are you just picking the best people for for the job, as it were? I mean, obviously, the answer is you just pick your pick your mates. I think that first and foremost is like uh, obviously easiest, and it always works. Mm-hmm. If however, exactly, and if however, a lot of us are in this position, you have no mates. Then what do you do in that position? Um, <laughs> I think a lot of this uh, we we're just saying before the uh, before the um, episode started. Like a lot of this is based on ideal circumstances, and I think whatever team you're building, whether you're building. Uh, one for uh, an international event, uh, as I was doing for Six Nations, um, or whether you're doing it for uh, a team tournament, as I've done for for um, Team Keen in the past, and for um, uh, the the one I uh, uh, play a role in locally. You've got like only the people you can actually have available to you. Uh, when it comes to your team, you do not want too many big characters. I think if we're talking about personalities, then if you've got eight strong-willed big characters, all of whom have their own opinions and are sure that they're right, <laughs> uh, which annoyingly does often go hand in hand with people who are often are quite good at Warhammer, at least. At the very least, think they're quite good at Warhammer. Um, and so you, you, if you have eight of those players, you can still win games. But if you're ever on the back foot or, or do lose a round or anything like that, then trying to get all eight of those people... Um, uh, pointing in the right direction is is hard work and the chances of all of them being kind of happy over the weekend I think is quite hard um, I found Six Nations enjoyable uh, I found it one of the greatest kind of management uh, problems I've ever had and I, I do manage on my day job as well and trying to get everyone happy and kind of pulling in the same direction and happy with the with the list choices they have as well as kind of our approach for the weekend was 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 difficult and so I think in an ideal mm. world you, you probably want like if we're talking an ideal world you probably want two or three big characters with big opinions um, and then you probably want most of your team uh, to be people who are willing to well, work for the team really, um, and are willing to see the big picture and to appreciate that actually what the purpose is is that the, the team basically doing as well as they possibly can. Um, uh, I, it really was was Craig Namver of all people who uh, the first team tournament I went to, we bumped into each other and he said, "How are you doing?" And I started listing off my singles results, and he said, "No, no, no, how's the team doing?" <laughs> I was like, oh yeah that's 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 what's important isn't it I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. oh yeah 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 because that's what we're here for and i think that's that's it um uh, and i'm sure craig would deny all knowledge of that because he's you know competitive cutthroat but um <laughs> but yeah i think you you want players who have actually that kind of attitude and and when don't kind of come away from it going um 
that was that was such a terrible game. How can you put me into that? You want someone who comes away from it kind of going, right, how did the team do? I managed to get two points. Has that made a difference for us? Um, and are willing to offer their opinion, but also appreciate that other opinions do exist. Um, which, mm, as yeah, I say, yeah, is, yeah. is, I mean, as I said, that's quite a hard thing for any person to have. So I'm kind of dreaming up an imaginary person there to an extent, but that's, that is what you want. You want some strong characters, certainly people who are going to give opinions strongly, but you also definitely need uh, uh, lots of team players. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's very similar to kind of sports. Hmm. There's a lot of, obviously there's a lot of very, very good sports podcasts out there talking about team building and they, they often mention your kind of, I don't want to call it star players, but you know, those players that they know they're good, they are really good and they go out and do the job, but may not necessarily um, <clears throat> be the ones to kind of bigging up the rest of the team. And actually you need different, you need different cogs for the machine to work. Right. Yeah. Um, and so you need that kind of that mixture um, and just sticking with you quickly, Laurie. And so does that fit in with the, the factions that you pick for a team. So that was going to be my next question anyway. So you're thinking about your ideal team of people. Does that go for factions as well? You're looking for a nice mix of factions or are you sort of, uh, you're just basically trying to pick the best ones to do the job? Uh, I think it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. I think you do, you do want the best factions, obviously. Um, and so at, at the both, both Worlds and Six Nations, one of the uh, factions which we locked in, which obviously Darren ran, was Seraphon. Like you're, you're the, the top broken factions, you're just like, right, they are there. And that's going to be two or three of your lists are just going to be kind of decided for you, basically, um, that, um, that you're taking those factions because you know they've repeatedly gone 5-0 and oh, and that whatever version of them you take is going to be super strong. Um at that point, I think then the rest of uh, the rest of the list you're picking, you are having to take a much more nuanced approach with. So it might be like if if you could, obviously you can't, but if you could uh, purely rank factions based on their relative strength, and you could just list off the top eight. If you've got your top two, which are which are broken, busted, and you're going to take, and then the next six are all shooting armies. Maybe the next six are you know it's that the, the year of shooting, and they're all shooting. Actually, taking six shooting armies is a, is a terrible idea for teams because you'll come up against uh, every other team will have a deepkin list, and you'll just have basically auto losses against all those deepkin. So you're still taking uh, strong lists. I definitely think there is uh, such a thing in teams as trying to create too clever of a setup. Mm. And being like, right, we've got four super clever teams lists, and then they come into just good singles lists and they lose. Um, mm. But you are also having to weigh up, like, we don't, there's no point in having five lists which basically all play in the same way and all, yeah. all have exactly the same weaknesses as well. Um, and I think that's that kind of married up between the two of them. Um, so you want lists that, that can do different roles. Um, but married up with people who can, who can do kind of, uh, that, that team attitude as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It makes perfect sense. Um, Darren, how do you um, agreeing along? I know you and Laurie have lots of crossover with Team England. Um, mm. Building a team for you, being in these teams, um, off the knot, um, I'm, I want to reference, was it not this year, la- the previous year when you guys won? Was it the year before or two years ago? God, I can't even remember now. Um, oh. And I know Nigel came along and wasn't playing, but the amount of wonderful compliments he got from how to help build the team from a morale point of view um the cutest man in warhammer yeah yeah and so 
we love Nigel. Kind of relevant to what Laurie was talking about. Um, what a how how you find being in in a team and what you think kind of works, and also B, what do you think about having kind of personalities outside of the playing team um, as a benefit? I fucking love teams, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I it, people fascinate me. If you um, if you enjoy people watching, then just go to an Age of Sigmar team event and, and watch various teams do pairings or watch how people interact at lunch, watch how people um, manage a loss or, or not, because we all do it so differently, so uniquely. It's um, it's fascinating. Um, so, yeah, being part of a team is, it, 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 <laughs> is, is great. It's, the, it's my favourite way to play Warhammer. Um, as for as as for those little support pieces like Nigel, what what was great about Nigel was if you'd if anyone had had a, a, a difficult game, you know you, you go up to someone if you've had a hard game and you go up to one of your teammates and they've had a great game, you do, they can't they they can't really get how you're feeling, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can you might there might even be a little bit of resentment, <laughs> whereas you can go to Nigel or you know or someone that's that's not played a game at all and they're purely focused on you, you know they want to ask how your game went what you could do better or, or, or all sorts of stuff, um, they're not desperate to tell you about how their game went, um, which is I think is super useful. Um, and that's the sort of thing that it's also the sort of thing a player coach can um, can provide as well. Tom's very very good at that. He's got such a good sort of poker face when inside he's dying because he's really bored about you telling him about his game. He's <laughs> eight other, seven other people's games as well, you know. Um, but yeah, it's super important to have that um, dis- slight slight disconnect from the fact that you've just been in an intensive game. Um, and how have you found being in these the teams? I know you. I think well, maybe it's me coming in from the outside, but I know non-international teams. I would say you've been in a few teams with some very big personalities. Mm. Um, with regards to what Laurie was saying about obviously you don't want everyone big personalities. How have you found those those teams for you? Something that you you're happy to be in? Or, oh God, um, yeah. I've, I've not. I've not. Um, I've not intentionally thought. Oh, I've got. Um, I've got the My Hills who are massive. Massive, you know, um, personalities. I best not go get another personality. Um, so I've not tried. I've not team. I've not sort of really thought about team dynamics in that way. What normally happens is I, I I've got a lot of friends <laughs> in Warhammer, and I'm desperate to go to team events with them. Um, so I'll try and and ask them. They that my teams are sort of formed organically, you know, over a beer or over a game, and then oh, wouldn't it be great to. Like I played um, Dan Ford at um, Masters, you know, and I, I love talking Warhammer with Dan Dan Ford. So I was like, oh, we should we should we should form a team. <laughs> and I wasn't thinking, oh, who would would Dan suit me or this that and the other. Um, mm. So it, those teams are. So, well, I tell you, when that instant does come up is when you've got a team and then someone can't come or someone for for a reason drops out, mm. you know. Then, then you're in a spot where you've got to think. Right, there's going to be there's a few, there's quite a few people I could ask, and you go through who's going to who's going to suit the team the best. That's the only time that that sort of situations occurs. If I could, if I could interject, Darren, like yeah, of course, that, that's an interesting point there because we do like uh, internationals aside, you do pick teams based on who your mates are. Like you do the teams mm. you're sending off to brotherhood or to blood tithe or whatever you're picking your mates. Like 
if you were picking it from a competitive point of view, do you think actually, if you went right, I've got uh, the Myhills, I've got Chris and Rick. They're strong characters who are going to take like I, I like Chris and Rick, but they're going to take janky lists, aren't they? They're going to take yeah, what they yeah, yeah. Take. They're going like, to take that's, that's, that's their way. Like if you were actually building a team and like approaching it kind of in a professional, competitive kind of manner, would you actually say that you probably should be going right? I need people who are not like the Myhills as my next my next few. If it's a six man team, my next two or three, they need to be people who are going to take what what the team agree is the best take and are going to be quite uh calm and level-headed about it um maybe not calm and level-headed but are going to kind of be much more going with the flow i think um that very much depends on the individual like i i'm more than comfortable having a bit of chaos in my team because the local scene the people that i've grown up with how we play warhammer is just utter chaos and also there is value in your opponents not having a fucking clue what your lists do you know that can help you in pairings that can help you in the games that can help that can help you in people preparing because sometimes people if you put a wacky list into your team build on the run up to the to the event people are then concentrating on trying to figure that out and then they're not doing the basic stuff against the other more lists that they feel they have but figured that- out that is kind of my point is that like I, I'm not not disputing that the my hills add something or, or characters like the my hills add something and and I mean the the most famous example not famous the, one of the best examples of that was Byron's um, bone split mm. list uh, two years ago in Worlds which was just a ridiculous list um, <laughs> uh, completely bonkers like what was it 1800 points in the end because uh, we worked out that having four uh, extra command points was better than uh, anything else in it because it was just yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that was that. But you don't want eight bonkers lists. Um, with we all did it because because that at that point it becomes, in my opinion, becomes too clever. The matchup process becomes too chaotic, um, and so that's kind of what I'm getting. I'm not. I'm not saying that uh, uh, people like the Myhals or Byron's list and the list that Myhals write aren't appropriate for teams but i'm saying if you were kind of approaching it not in a i want to have fun this weekend because i'm taking a team and i want it to be my mates if you're viewing it as right we're gonna we're gonna win we're gonna beat everyone in front of us do you think that you should be picking people who kind of balance out uh the people you've got in your team i so again the the the, the, i answered that initially with it's what you're comfortable with um, I'm comfortable with that chaos because I, and another thing as well, I don't think that I or the necessarily the people in the South are the best players in the country. Um, and we're not very good at formulaic Warhammer. And if I invited too many people onto the team or try to find people that are very, that are very formulaic, you know, that would be at odds <laughs> with me. So th- it wouldn't, that, that wouldn't necessarily resonate very well. Whereas someone like yourself, I think if there was too much chaos on your team, that would get on your tits um, and that wouldn't help. So I I, I suppose that is kind of the point I'm I'm trying, I'm kind of getting at is that I think there is an element where you've got to put, in my opinion, you've got, you you should put personal preferences to one side with the England setup. So I've captain England, the last six nations, but been part of the um, selection committee um, for, I think the last two teams, although I think one of those teams, maybe didn't go because of covid um and when we were picking players uh you do kind of have to put to an extent personal prejudices or personal views aside um as much as you possibly can and be like right well well this person 
doesn't play like I play. Um, and um, and that, that has been the case with some of the players we, we've picked. We've been like, look, their record speaks for itself. They are clearly a good player. And I think if you are approaching teams in that kind of scale, and, and there's a big difference between picking a team because you all want to have a great time, and teams Warhammer is is arguably the best Warhammer because there's you know six <laughs> four of you having a great great time over the weekend. But if you are picking it from an international perspective, um, then I think you do need to be able to put your personal prejudice to one side, or personal maybe prejudice is the wrong word. Your personal preferences is probably better. Your personal preferences to one side, and and yeah, like if I look at the eight players who uh, we took to, to Six Nations, uh, some of those are very different players from me with different attitudes to the game of playing mm. um mm. but that that i thought was was our strength um and and something which uh, yes maybe maybe i have got a couple more gray hairs in the run-up to it from, <laughs> from, from, from dealing with because russ is a uh quite unless russ has got an absolute smash face this russ uh russ fuel is an incredibly good player but he came into that with kind of a bit of a negative attitude to his list, which is always a very different approach to my view on my list, where I always, I always think that my list can be anything because I, I embrace my list and embrace my attitude. And Russ is much mm. more like, oh, I can just see. Russ, I think, ended up going that weekend either four and one or maybe three and two. He was, he was running the gash. He was running the gash and blood knights, how, indeed. How, 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 he had a negative attitude then, would you say, Laurie? I would say that, except for that would be using incorrect grammar, Owen, which obviously I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> he did. Absolute, a negative attitude. Well, yeah. well, well, well Laurie, um, I've never been in a position where I've been choosing an international. Hmm. Um, I've only been going to events outside of international age of sigma i've only been like a player i was the vice captain but i wasn't in charge of any of the selection um so i think i agree with you a hundred percent if i was in that position and me the, the the um the scale of it is bigger than me and it's bigger than my friends then yes you've got to you've got to put that all aside 100 percent. if it's a if it's a if it's a domestic tournament and my goal i think going to a tournament it is very very geared to winning don't get me wrong but it's also geared to the friday night and the saturday night mm. and that's going to be a bit different to someone like yourself i'd assume you know um uh, so i think agree, all of that points for you 100 percent, but maybe not for me outside of an international you know, you know what happens when you assume darren don't you i know owen's trying to get in here but i was just gonna say absolutely fascinating listening to this conversation so owen i think um the thing that i got from 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 that and it was good that i like that i love it when people when people can disagree and you know we have a proper debate or not disagree but have maybe um differing viewpoints and i think that goes to sort of a lot of what this game is about like the transition from a singles mentality and we we you know we you go to tournaments and you know you want to do well and there is an element of there's a big element of ego to what we do right we like to you know be good at this game for whatever amount of you know personal self-satisfaction that gives and being able to kind of like temper that and you know slot into a team and maybe um regulate or, or 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 change not change regulate your personality a little bit you read the room and, and understand what kind of role you've got but I, I think overall like the team is a collective so there's always going to be a team identity so whilst i haven't ever really been involved in 
sort of picking teams. Um, you know, I was actually thinking about the tournaments I've been to. I think I must have been to about eight or nine team tournaments now with a variety of different teams. And all of those teams, whilst certainly the Welsh teams have always had a core group because, you know, starting back from Blood Tithe 2019, I think that's when the tournament you were talking about, when you won it with Dan mm-hmm. and um, I think it was the two. Was it Double Dan? And who else was in that team with you, Darren? Was it Bradshaw wasn't it? No, I don't think it was. It was what? What was the team that you won in twenty nineteen with? Uh, Darren? Will, yes, and Will, yes, of course. So, so that was the first tournament that I played in, and I hadn't met anyone in person uh, with the Welsh team. And that team now has obviously developed, and Simon's now the captain, and it's grown. And I think when you're when you're slotted into a team like Laurie made reference to, there's always you do have to. You, you want to pick. You want it to be a meritocracy. So you have to have people that know what they're doing, mm. but at the same time, you have to make it so it's a sustainable environment. This is talking more internationally, like mm. you know, national teams. You want you don't want it to be a closed shop. And I think all the home nations have made efforts over the past. Well, certainly since I've been playing Warhammer, to have this balance between experience, yeah, success. And longevity, you know, bringing in, you know, for example, like my mate Toby coming into the England team and <laughs> obviously doing so well um, at Worlds and stuff. And, you know, having you want to keep people hungry. So stepping back slightly, the identity of the team, you kind of you take your ego into it. But you, you I think that to be successful, I certainly think the management element of the team have to be incredibly emotionally intelligent. Um, and they have to understand, you know, who the, the, the kind of, let's put it in bunny is, who the stars are mm. and, and putting people in, and then you have, and m- maybe those star players, they can play any faction. Um, and then you, you want one of the things that I thought about again with identity and, um, uh, and with like roles, I think that there's, you definitely certainly with new players coming into the team and things, you want to put them on an an army that they know, Um, you know, there's a lot to be said for reps and, you know, it's really, it is quite difficult. uh, For example, if you're just sort of going, these eight to 10 armies are the best armies in the game. X player, you're on Doors of Cain or X player, you're on Ideneth, just because we need somebody to play that. And so-and-so's earmarked this, so-and-so's earmarked that. Um, so definitely having emotional intelligence in the way that the team's built and how to manage those personalities. I mean, I think talking about having eight stars, it made me think of like the Galacticos era of Real Madrid mm-hmm. for anyone who's into football. Yeah, I was, I was literally, I mean, you, you're reading my show notes every time, Owen. So, <laughs> I, I don't get the notes, baby. I don't get the notes. Um, but yeah, that's sort of Galacticos. You're right. When the shit hits the fan and you have a bad round or something, then, you know, the kind of stars will look at each other and think, well, you didn't turn up or whatever, or you didn't perform. But um, yeah, that emotional intelligence in the management section of the team is super important Mm -hmm. and making people understand their roles and be like two points this round is like a 20 0 get us two points and, 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 you know, you're, you're winning for the team. Um, And and I think it will go on to, pairings i don't know a huge amount of obviously from a player's perspective i can give some but definitely um that management element and and in the team saying you know and people understanding their roles and what mm. they need to get each round um i think 
you do need that strong core at the top. Um, And I think from a list point of view as well, I would agree with the point Laurie was making around it's obvious. It's always very obvious what the super strong armies are, and in, in certainly in eight man teams, maybe five, I would say, are kind of locked in. And I think in an eight man team, you maybe have room for that one kind of like gatekeepery kind mm. of wacky list. Um, you know, like Simon's Demon Princes mm. uh, for the Welsh team at Worlds. I, I don't. I think he would agree with me that he it didn't work out exactly as he wanted, but. Like that, there is room for that kind of super techie list, mm. um, which can, you know, cause a bit of havoc in the pairings process. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've got one overall cogent thought on teams, but definitely it's a balance between having people in the team that know how to win games of Age of Sigma, having people who then know how to manage people is really important, like on the table, off the table. Like, the, I think it. Yeah, having like a logistical setup in terms of making it so that all the players are there on time and there it is. I was waiting. I was waiting for the logistics yeah. word to enter. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like all that stuff. Like we didn't stay at the ho- at the hotel of the venue for worlds, so the logistics element around you know multiple mini cabs and everyone getting there on time. Oh. And bre- breakfast. Well, this is what I wanted to breakfast. mention, Owen, because Laurie did mention managing people and that it did it was stressful, and I can imagine it is stressful with especially adults and mm. everyone's got their own opinions. And oh, I know oh, you've I mentioned in you've mentioned in previous episodes that um you felt a bit like the dad of the welsh team before um and how important it is to have that kind of i guess dad figure on management or or logistics have that kind of logistics set up just to make it make make it easy for the team to perform right a hundred percent yeah i mean i would say um simon prior to being captain was kind of uh he was also a dad figure i remember at brotherhood the first brotherhood it was he and I who were cooking all the breakfasts in the Airbnb. Ah, uh, here we go. And we're not onto tips yet, but top tip for any team, try and get an Airbnb when yeah. you all stay together. I think mm. you guys, I mean, Laurie, I know that you're a, a proponent of that. I think the English yes. team all stayed together at previous Six Nations, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we had to, we, we couldn't get an Airbnb most recently, but we were all staying in a bunch of hotel rooms above a, well, a bunch of rooms above a pub. So that all worked in the same kind of way. And then, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that was beautiful. That that was, that, that really really worked um and then yeah i mean before that um yeah i think those that that element of like you can't manufacture camaraderie you know you can't no. manufacture brotherhood for want of a better word well done chris tomlin excellent yeah. name for a yeah. team tournament um <laughs> uh and you know brotherhood sisterhood allhood i don't know if that's the correct term Maybe siblinghood siblinghood there we go <laughs> well done Rolls Thanks. of the time Rolls there, there, there has to be. It has to be about more than just you know rolling dice and you know winning oh. and losing. Um, you know, it's not a it's not a cheap hobby. I think our most precious commodity, certainly as we've come out of lockdown, etc., COVID is our most precious commodity is time. So if you're going to spend your time with people and and all be working towards this goal, then I think you know, having that element of of, 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 a, of a common goal and camaraderie and making sure that the team has an identity and um, pushes in the same direction and enjoys being with each other, enjoys celebrating the successes and enjoys, well, not enjoys, um, finds ways to deal with disappointment and, and yeah. build. It's like, what's that cheesy saying I say sometimes? It's like when you lose, it's like a muscle tearing. And then when the muscle tears, then it gets bigger and, 
You always learn more from your losses, etc. You always learn more losses. You're getting swole from a team point of view. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, but think about it. It's like if you finished every game of singles and then you had seven to ten people that evening to, you know, either just unload on or talk about what you could have done differently. It's like an amazing opportunity to learn. Um, I'll stop talking in a second, but basically teams is great. And at the last (laughs) brotherhood, I was part of a brand new team in team lit, which is something that Adam Mumford and uh, Matthew Davis, Matt Mallow are putting forward. Great shirts. um, (laughs) Yeah. Great shirts. That custard yellow. Um, Legends in training, by the way, if you didn't know, that's what lit means. It's not just a kind of. Is that what it is? That's Mm. what it is. Um, Mm. And um, there was some. Who's training them? Uh, I mean, we're training each other. This is the point. We're all <laughs> learning together. We're all think, learning together. I think Matt's training all of you, to be honest with you. <laughs> if we all learn how to play play Warhammer from Math Mallow, then it yeah. would be some real MPE shit. I love you, Matt. But he, he just wants to sit. He just wants to sit at the back of the board and and win somehow. But yeah, he's, shout out yeah, to Math Mallow, special um, player, very special player. Absolutely fascinating this conversation. I feel like I'm sort of a listener because it's fascinating. Um, and we mentioned quickly before we went on air about how, um, <clears throat> unlike sports that have been going on for decades, this is all very new and oh. how. You know, this is just how we're trying, or uh, more experienced uh, talkers on this podcast, how we're trying to build a team and going and kind of learning as we go. It's all absolutely fascinating. But just before we get to the pairings bit, I did want to quickly ask. I start with you, Darren. Um, we have mentioned lists and we have mentioned factions already. And um, the one thing I do want to ask, and we had some questions about this, um, how do you go picking? So we, we said that obviously some of the top factions are obvious um, and some of them are going to be kind of atypical off-meta picks for the last few. How do you, have a, do you have a way of picking what sort of lists that you want to go into a team perspective? And what I mean by that is, do you go into the team thinking, right, we want two to three real aggro lists. We want two to three that can kind of get close draw type lists and we've got two to three that can sort of sit at the back slash not give away too many points is is it that granular do you do you do you go in thinking we want this spread um or is it again more fluid than that that's way too organized for the likes of the <laughs> people i go to team events with or certainly yeah. me. I, to be fair if i if i'm the person in charge then i don't go to that level of um and that obviously filters down in, into the team. Um, mm. Before I answer that quickly, um, I do want to build on one of the points that Laurie mentioned and then Owen mentioned, because I was waiting for an appropriate time to do so. Please. Yeah, please do. With regard to you know the picking the, the top eight, most team events limit how many uh, people can have a certain artifact or how many people can use um, mm. this, that and the other. Uh, endless spells. So some factions value really drops off when they're not able to use a certain endless spell for example or arcane tome as is another example so if you were really keen to have legions in your army and you had kairos with portals then taking zinch is probably not going to be on the cards because zinch without portal loses a great deal of value um so that's another sort of consideration how you the people that get the the cream, the the first choice of all the the bits and bobs, the people that can't operate without their portals, um, that that filters down, um, and quite often, because you uh, someone else that you want in your team is someone that's adaptive, because mm. or people and and people without ego, people like Ricky me, 
Yeah. That can you can go to them right. You've got no choice because everyone else has taken. You've got the last choice, and we're going to change what faction you're on because we don't actually think what <laughs> that Skaven are are good mm. with the rest of our team build. If I could add on top of that, like Ricky Me is a great example. There's there's a couple of people talk about the Six Nations team, um, but I'll start with Ricky. Like he, so as Darren said, we were uh, running nine Storm Fiends uh, with Ricky. Then we tried with six Storm Fiends with Ricky, and we ultimately came to the decision that it just wasn't quite competitive enough. It relied too much on spells and the small characters. So in the build-up to um, uh, to Six Nations, like, right, Ricky, we, we want to put you on Archaeon. We had my Archaeon list um, that, that I'd gone really well with. I'd gone uh, one face hammer with it, and I'd gone 5-0 and uh, a team tournament with it as well. Um, Relax! And so, um so indeed um and so, <laughs> so uh, no, i managed to say i didn't go five and zero at face heaven because that's the one which darren always takes a piss at me from always saying but, <laughs> but i fucking did um and and yeah so i said to ricky well do you can you will you run this for us and ricky said he would and so last minute and ricky's someone who does like to get games in with it and obviously he, he can down endorse it so he got lots of games in and then even on top of that like we came around to the to the final stages of it and the list which I'd been running had got Arcane Tome on the Sorcerer Lord, um, and uh, had got Master of Magic as the uh, as the Grand Strat. Uh, not Master of Magic. Uh, keep keep a Wizard alive, whatever that Grand Strat used to be yeah, called. Yeah, yeah. Prize um, Sorcery. Cheers, mm-hmm. Owen. Prize Sorcery. And then we realised that actually Prize Sorcery has to go on. God, who do we put it on? Maybe in the gash we put it on. Um, uh, basically, someone else was just a better fit for Price Sorcery. Um, it's JP and Lumineff, of course it was. Price Sorcery obviously fits better on Lumineff than it does on on um, on Archaeon. And so instead, uh, Ricky had to... Uh, well, suddenly we realised this was towards the end and was a mistake on my part, really. Uh, had to take Keep a Priest Alive. Uh, no idea what that grand strat was called. Um I don't know if anyone else can remember. Pillars of belief. Because he had a, because he had one war shrine in his army. Um, Ricky did, and so basically he had to spend uh, uh, spend all his time protecting that war shrine on top of everything else in the arm uh, in the game. And then Ricky went away and went five nil with the list. And that's someone mm-hmm. who he he. I'm not saying that he grinned at every single little curveball I threw through his way, but certainly someone who, for the good of the team, was willing to accept that that you know that actually this is this is what's needed like uh, if skaven if skaven is a decision that is not competitive enough i'll take what you take all right that's not viable i'm the one who has to compromise on grand strat and artifact fine and and there was justification behind it obviously but that that was still remarkably like level-headed from someone and i certainly don't think i would have been as level-headed as ricky was it was commendable commendable. Um, and yeah and then to take it and then and then still have belief in the list and still just play you play your game and and yeah he he took some reds and made them wins and took some greens with them so he smashed face and and to just chat about someone else on top of that uh of a similar vein um terry at the same same tournament i think terry twice uh, with his nurgle list played against lumina foxes um one time where they were i'm not sure if you remember the table owen because i mentioned it to you, you had two i i remember vividly don't worry yeah in the, <laughs> in the, in the, in the back corner laurie yeah I yes remember. that one there had two big pieces of impassable terrains on it uh which is tough for nogal at the best of times and then you're playing against foxes uh and terry just at the end of it terry's kind of way with a, with a slight grin and a, just a slight speckle of, uh, of emotion was just explaining how shit a game he had um and that was kind of it like Ter- mm. Terry had a we had a pint that evening and Terry did did moan about um uh, or did bemoan rather rather than moan having to having to play that list on that table but next day wasn't wasn't bitter about it, it wasn't kind of oh am I going to get bust again it was right who am I playing today and then I think he played Rick Myhill the next day and played 
a superb game of Warhammer. Yeah, With real, real clever play by Terry, I thought. Um, and that, that I, I just thought, yeah, that's a player who, who like, because Terry is is. If you don't mind me saying, Darren, Terry, in terms of his emotions, is very different from you, isn't he? Oh, like, God, yeah. You, you win and you win big, and that's that's great for the team, and that buoys the team along, and that is someone who, like, mm. if you know you've got someone who's a big character on your team, I, I think Jack Armstrong plays a similar role. You've got a big character who you know is likely to go 4-1 or 5-0, and and when they win, the whole team gets confidence from that. But you don't want eight of those because you're not going to have eight players going 5-0. and You want players who also are just going to, take the team role and want to just yeah are just going to kind of take the wins and the losses and and treat them both the same as the old um the old poem goes mm-hmm. one thing i would say laurie um and i don't want to blow smoke up your ass but i think you the the management element of the team would need to take credit for the way in which the players accepted the decisions that were given to them for example let's take ricky for example in terms of you know I, I was on a similar experience with Worlds in terms of, you know, a late list change and, you know, wanting to be in a position to, you know, play more games, et cetera. Mm. Um, but, you know, my mum used to always say to me, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And, mm. you know, being able to manage that personality to, you know, it, 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 there's a balance between, you know, the, the way in which the player accepts it, but also the messaging from up high has to be correct in terms of the way that you lay out the case. So um, I think some, you know, you, you should you should take well, some, credit, some credit for that as well, I would say. I think I generally got it right. Sometimes, sometimes not. But, but no, no, definitely, 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 definitely not going to start the podcast. Um, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just, just, bef- just before we go back to Darren, because um, I know he's got um, uh, some follow-up points as well. Um, just related to that, Laurie, um, again, the same sort of question I asked to Darren, knowing that and knowing those personalities, would you, would you therefore, before you go into a tournament, for example, give Terry the defensive blocker list and therefore give Jack and Darren the aggro lists or is that not really a consideration currently for kind of team? I think it very much is actually I think in my opinion it really is I think you do um, I think there's an element that players quite often will pick and be comfortable with lists that match their personalities to an extent Um, but you do I, I, I think you want like Darren is is a is a good player um uh, and you want him on a list, a list which is kind of suiting that. Basically, Darren does like to smash face, um, and so you want him matched up with that kind of list. Um, Terry is a grindy player, so you want him on a grindy, a grindy list. Um, another good example which I was thinking about, as as I think as Owen was chatting, uh, is Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr is, is an excellent player, but by his own admission, he needs reps. Mm. Like he really needs reps with a with a list to be. Um, wants to take it to tournaments. Wants to get loads of games under his belt. So, uh, in comparison. Bradshaw, who Dan might, might, well, Dan is, Dan is happy like a couple of weeks out to kind of go, actually, I think this, this is stronger. Let's, let's swap to that. And I think in the build up to our list submission for Six Nations, Dan might have been on uh, two or three different types of armies. Um, and then took another different army to, to worlds as well. And like Dan's really comfortable with that. But if we'd done that with Steve, that would have, uh, lost what little hair he's got left. Um, and, <laughs> um, shout out to Steve. <laughs> shout out to Steve. Uh, and yeah, and with Giants, I think Steve went four and one that weekend at Six Nations. And that's because obviously he had the had the time to prep them and and knew the army inside and out. And as a result of that, I felt confident with it. And so there would have been no point. I like. I, I think if I'd if I'd said to said to Steve the week before the event, right, take this 
this busted army, he still wouldn't have felt comfortable with them. And, and yeah, that really wouldn't have suited him. So uh, there is, I mean, you can, you can always give someone an army, which is very strong. And if they're a good player, they'll still do well with it. You do also think about the kind of players you've got, you've got underneath you, so to speak. Um, and what they feel comfortable with um for example again just just talking about jp who jp was another excellent team player the whole weekend mm. jp wanted to take lumineth and and he would have taken something else but you've got to think about how much more you're getting out of jp by by putting him on the army that he feels most comfortable with mm. if i'd said to jp right i want you to take cruel boys which at one point i was thinking of doing then he would have done it and he would have done it and got games and with it and i'm sure he's done done very well but I wouldn't, that would not be utilizing JP to the best of his ability, which I think is, is part of what you're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. One, one tiny thing, one tiny thing to add to that, sorry, is that from an analysis point of view, uh, when you're looking at other teams, definitely when you see a player who's not on an army, they know, cause like we all know what each other play and, you know, there's stats and there's, you know, there's, there's evidence to show what people are playing. As soon as you see somebody who's on something, you're like, ah, oh, well, they weren't bringing that for the last few tournaments or they've never really played that army. That can put a little, a little flag up to maybe be, you know, a, perhaps a weak point in the, um, in the team dynamic. So, you know, it kind of works externally as well as internally as well. I, think. I do. I do. Sorry. I, I know it's going back and forth between, uh, between me and others, but what there is a, occasionally exceptions to that. I think like with particularly strong armies and um, the first six nations I went to as a player, I took, Doors of Cain, and I took just the standard build, which was Mrathi, um, you know, a couple of Hag Queens, Cauldron, and then loads of Witch Elves. Um, and I went 5-0 and that weekend, and I'd played three games of it prior to the weekend. Mm. And that's not me blowing, I mean, it is a little bit me blowing smoke up my own ass. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're flexing all over flexing the away, you know, I'm not getting a lot of exercise at the moment. I've seen it right there. Um, <laughs> But it, it was, it, it really isn't because it was a very, very strong list. And it was also a very good list to match with because basically if the, uh, the opponent had no way to them, you had, you had 30 witch elves and a five up rerollable armor save, which were mine raised up and would just roll stuff. So it, it actually, it, it didn't. There are some lists, like occasionally you'll have a list that is so strong that you can give it to a player who uh, who is a good player and an experienced player, and they will just go with it. But I but I, I agree with your general, uh, completely agree with your general sentiment, Owen. I just wanted to kind of throw in there are occasionally uh, uh, exceptions. Um, yeah, that makes yeah. perfect sense, and that will that will nicely lead us into our pairing section. Before we get there, though, da- Darren, you you had a few points left to make. Did you want one. to? I've got one important one. Um, Please like to make. Um, and this is for people that aren't in control of selection, but the potential at, at the beginning, there's a little bit where we all decide what, what armies we're going on. And some people like me have to play Seraphon because the team bullies you into it. Um, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, there, yeah, but there are other people that say that other people that, that could genuinely pick any, any list. Um, if you are one of those people and your team captain or your vice captain or anyone else says, you know, what do you want to take? What role do you want to have? And you answer with this: "Oh, I could, I can. T- I'm very flexible. I can oh, do yeah. anything." Fuck off! You oh. don't understand yourself. Like it's people think that that's what we want to hear. And I'm saying this when I've been in that, you know, been in that selecting position. That isn't helpful. That's not what I want to hear. What I want to hear is, okay, I'm impatient. I want to be on an army that's getting into them. 
I, I'm not very good at castling. I don't like this mission. I, you know, I don't want mm-hmm. to be using like Nurgle. I don't want to use this, that, and the other. It's because that's information that's useful in so many different ways. You absolutely, one hundred percent, are not <laughs> are not comfortable um, play, doing anything. You know, get that shit out of your head. Understand yourself, and then be honest. You know, I'm a fucking child. I am impatient. I need to be on something that acts straight away. I need to be on something that can make that can make creative plays, so I can go about later and tell people about it because that's what. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you really you know, do know yourself, don't you, Darren? No, you I do. Because I put a lot of effort into into that, and I think I'm a much better player for it. Um, and that is so many. It just stresses me out when people say, "Oh, you know, I'm, I'm I could I can use anything. I'm 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 easy. I don't have any preference." Fuck off! Of course you do. Of course you do. Just be honest. It's like that all green matrices, isn't it? Yes, I said it. All the way. all the all green <laughs> matrices. I knew it was going to come in with this episode. Yeah. yeah. We we don't want we don't want people that um, you know, making out that you can play anything that doesn't make you. I don't think that makes you a better player. You, you understand yourself a bit more. Put a bit of thought into who you are, what role you want to take on the team, um, and be honest. You know, if if someone puts you on a list and you need portals, but someone else wants it, st- stick up for yourself. Say, well, I, I this list works or this faction works, but I need portals. Mm. And if I don't have it, then not you know I need to be on something else. You know, that's that's the sort of thing you need to have a bit of a bit of a bit of grit about you. And, and that think, kind of mixes with what we were talking about with the uh, <clears throat> different mixing of different different players, different styles, and all kind of melding it into what what, what would hopefully be of the, the not the perfect team that's impossible, um, but you know uh, an optimized team as it were. Owen, did you want to? All I was going to say is that when and I 100% agree with Darren's statement, but I, I think as well from the senior player or like the management team, as I've sort of framed it there needs to be somebody or multiple people in that management team that then support that voice. Because if that voice is a new voice, it's quite, it can be quite daunting going into a team with a lot of experienced players and names. And if you're like, I'm playing the gash, I need fucking portal. And and somebody else is saying, well, I want to play with Kairos and I need portal. Then, you know, you need, you need people to then prop up those, those quieter voices. Um, it's a bit like in a, in a classroom, you know, when there's always the one person that's putting their hand up and the teacher will then support one of the quieter students to then give their answer. And they might have something fantastic to say. It's just that they're not as confident as, as, as the other pupils, if, yeah. if, you, if you follow my analogy. Very no, wise. It's really important that people feel heard. You know, even if you don't get the result that you're after, still, you know, still say something. And it's important that if you are the person listening, that you hear it and then you give a, you know, an actual reason other than, well, I like the other person <laughs> or I'm scared of the other person. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, this, I could talk about this for absolutely hours, but um, I think let's, let's jump into the second bit about pairings. Um, but absolutely fascinating conversation by all of you. Um, pairings very briefly laurie if i start with you and um, just tell the listeners roughly kind of what, what what we even mean by pairings and kind of what what goes through your mind when you're doing pairings. so we've sort of mentioned lots of things i was going to ask already so you mentioned about your kind of doc list and how it's quite a good list to put out there um but 
just very, very briefly, I know it's a very layered question, but very briefly, what, what exactly are pairings and kind of what, how do you go about doing that process? So pairings uh, is the process by which you work out who's playing who in a team tournament. Um, and it's where you and the other captain and your, your vices, if you have them, uh, will uh, take it in turns uh, uh, to put down different armies and then match into each other effectively. Uh, and what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the best possible matchups that you can um, uh, by, by through this process. Um, to aid with this, teams or comp- competitive teams who are, who are tryhards will create uh, these matrices um uh, yes uh, yes <laughs> there's the word um, and uh, uh beforehand and so you'll you'll color uh, your different matchups so if you've got the time you'll go through the other teams uh and you'll grade all of the matchups as green for uh, good orange for okay or, or average um and then red for bad um there's a well, that's the standard way of doing it. I know other teams have, have done uh, more detail as of doing it. There's a whole discussion to be had there about what does green mean? Uh, what are you saying with green? And there's a whole discussion to be had there again about like... Well, Laura, are you reading my show notes as well? You and Owen, eh? You shouldn't have sent it to us in advance. Now. That's, that's, <laughs> that's on you. Um, and like, and that's that's part of like the... the the problems the dilemma and what someone might cut as a green might be might be different from uh, from what other people see as a green and do you want your team to be overly negative or overly positive um for me when do, I, I really enjoy matchups actually i really enjoy the matchup process um as i said before i i find found parts of being captain enjoyable parts of it being uh, quite stressful um and and sometimes both at once but the matchup process i just really find fun mm. and i think i really really relish that um for me what i'm always trying to do is uh get get first of all get greens for players who haven't got many greens so yeah when you've got when you're looking at your matrix matrix if it's a singular it's a matrix right um and you're looking at it and you're trying to you're seeing your player who's got two greens and then six reds uh if you can get him into a green you are effectively up against the opponent because that's something which realistically they should be getting a win against that list because they've got six out of their eight lists are good into that list um and so you want to be if you can getting a getting a green for that if that's not possible then you want person who, who unfortunately for whatever reason hasn't got a good range of matchups this this round you want them to take out a red that is mostly red for the rest of you so so often um at six nations that was seraphon because obviously seraphon are, are, are a terrible army um and <laughs> preach, uh, preach, sorry. Fucking preach <laughs> brother is their, their actual name Laurie? can we sorry sorry alex uh you're the narrative uh expert here yeah um, absolutely yeah um and so, so for example, with Seraphon, like I, if I if I think back to the Seraphon we were playing against, we probably had one or two ambers into them. I remember Dan Bradshaw was an amber because his um his IDK had got game against them, uh, but quite quite narrow game. Um, and then there was lots of reds. So we would uh, if if someone was going to take if if for example we had uh, had had JP who had. Uh, f- They've coming up against a whole lot of shooting lists um, in the um, in the opponent's um, uh, set of lists, and six out of eight of them were reds for him. And we put him down early on, and we get given a choice of Seraphon or uh, what's a bad shooting list, Skaven. 
there was a Skaven list and uh, and Seraphon list. And JP, we've put JP down and we've been given those two options, JP with Lumineth. Uh, now, I know that JP's got a lot of red out there. So of those two options, I'm just going to accept he's got a bad loss and just take Seraphon out and go to JP. Um, and this links back to the type of players you want. JP, sorry, you're getting bust this round. Soz about that. Um, uh, in fact, I, I, I actually did it with Russ, final game against Northern Ireland. Um, put him into Stephen Mitchell's Thunder Lizards um, uh, and and said to him, sorry, Russ, but um, I think we basically, I think we ended up with seven greens that round and one red and Russ was the red. And I was like, look, by, by doing this, we just got green for the rest of the round. And yours is a big, fat, ugly red. Uh, as it was, he won anyway. Um, but but that's because we, we'd wound Russ up by that point. He'd, he'd got on a roll and he was unstoppable. But mm. that was a really good example of me kind of going to Russ, look, you, you, I really bust you here. Like you're properly, this is something which you really didn't want to play against. You've not got strong natural game into but it's really just opened up the rest of the round for us. Um, and so that's, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get, trying to get people into greens when they've got narrow options available to them. Um, but I'm also trying to take out those big reds as, as if I can early doors and then trusting myself to be able to out basically out maneuver the other person, the pairings process. Yeah. One, sorry. One, one final point, And then I will stop talking about this as I really, really like it. One other thing I, I, I think I'm doing, which I think I do, which was interesting chatting to Darren over the weekend, uh, six nations. Cause I think he does like differently is I try to get greens quite early on. Like my approach is if I can lock in four greens or, uh, if I can get four greens out of the first five matchups, then I'm kind of like, right, I can probably get another couple of greens just in a tit for tat. The, Cause the final few stages get quite chaotic. Like the beginning bit of it, it's quite like, right, I go, you go, that's a, you've, you've got one off me there, but I've got one of you in return quite often. And so my approach is if I can get lots of greens locked in early on, then at the end where it gets really chaotic and kind of you quite often go, right, I put this here and then that there. And then, all right, that means that this person is playing that person. I've got, I've got no real control over that at that point. Then I can, I always think that I'll probably get another couple of greens at that point and then we'll have the balance of the round. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, and I'm I'm going to come to Darren in a second because I, I know you you guys do differ slightly about uh, pairings, which is again fascinating. Um, and this I, I don't mean this to be uh, facetious a question, but um, ha, do you look at gr- how green is green to you, Laurie? Is going to be my question. Um, and what I mean by that is, are you taking into account? You know, as we met, let's just say Seraphon, or sorry, Space Lizards, um, are kind of super green. It, does that kind of go into it at the same time, or are you just kind of taking it at face value and saying, "Look, the players have made the matrices, matrices and um, I've got the greens and the reds," or are you kind of thinking even more in depth through the green? So I think, sorry, I'll try to keep this as succinct as I can. I think there's a couple of levels to that question. I think something which I would do in future um, if I had a role in any um, England team um would be to really establish beforehand what i mean by green how as you say how green is green i would be like right this green means that you'd be expecting to uh to win this four times out of five um if you met it at a tournament or or nine times out of ten or i'd be saying you're expecting to get um uh yeah i i'd be i'd be worried about putting a score on it because i think dice are dice but I think saying to saying to people, look, if you, you're expecting to win this nine times out of ten, like establishing what green is, what amber is, and establishing what red is, and like it, I, I think red even more so, it'd be you going, I am not going to beat this. Like this mm. is a this is a list which it just is a massively hard counter to me, like Terry into Lumineth. Like that's that's him going. I'm just I'm just not winning this. Or is red? Uh, you know what? I I would I'd rather not play it. 
And that, that I think I would like to establish. Having said that, I do think there's the risk of becoming too too granular, too modular with it and breaking it down even, fur- even further. Um, and I, I do like the simplicity that red, red, amber, um, red amber green gives you. Yeah. And it's really tempting to kind of go, right, we'll have uh, like five levels and then we'll have another pairings uh, element to it. And this will really give us all the data that we need to properly smash this pairings process. But I do think you also have to remember that you are doing this in, in relatively stressed conditions with a time restraint hanging over you. Uh, and it is an imperfect process. And so there has to be a certain element of gut going alongside the process. And yeah, at that sure. point, information overload as with every ever every element of warhammer information overload is very much a thing that you want to avoid yeah well and that, and that gut as you get more experience that gut yeah. probably becomes more data driven anyway right as you get more experience with that that gut is either right or wrong and then yeah. you've had that experience um darren um laurie mentioned that he tries to get greens early and um i just let's get to your viewpoint on the kind of pairings process and also i'd love you to mention about the scenarios because um we mentioned that off air, um, and I think that's just quite an interesting part of pairings. I can um, I can answer this from two perspectives. One being the person that's in charge of ultimately in charge of the pairings, and then I was um, I had the um, honour of being Laurie's uh, vice captain um, at Six Nations. Um, so, firstly, historically, my approach has is very different now to what it was historically i i used historically twice then i apologize um i think you know what i mean historically 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 there you go You're good. <laughs> does that mean it's really really old really, really old. <laughs> well i'm an old fucker um i i was of the school of thought that would put down i would like if my first choice would it would tend to be um the guy that's got the weakest um matchups so that i could or oh, sorry but uh, be better, Darren. Um, the person that had the um, the best um, matchups, right? Uh, sorry, the worst matchups, right? So, so that I could control, I could try and then take out one of their best players or one of their big lists, or and then try and get some big, big, big things at big, um, big greens at the end. Um, I always thought that if you keep you keep your um, your um, strength in your hand, you know, and being, but then when I became Laurie's um, vice captain, hopefully, uh, Laurie, you sort of noticed this, but I kept that opinion and that way of doing things very much to myself. I didn't, when you're, Laurie's very, very good at what he's done. I faced him pairings before. He's a very successful team player and he's also your captain. So you don't want to be arguing <laughs> with your captain. You don't want it to mm-hmm. be who's got the biggest dick competition you want to um, get your dick out and it accentuate your captain's dick. And that's what I've tried to do. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't let that go. <laughs> Fuck you now, Darren. Such a <laughs> word, Darren. Such a word. Thank you. Is that um, a is it, is it a historical dick? Or? <laughs> <laughs> well, what I mean by that is I, I decided very early on that I was going to go all in with Laurie's approach. I wasn't going to try and, you know, try and try. And, my ego was not going to be part of the pairings. I was going to fully support everything that Laurie's style. Now, as the tournament went on, I saw the power in this. You know, we'd, we'd had this discussion very, very briefly. I'd, you know, just, oh, that's interesting. So that's what we're going to do. Okay. 
um, I would have done. I, I normally do this, but I'm on board with 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 how you're doing it. Um, and it meant that when we were doing pairings, me and Laurie were laughing, joking, we relaxed, um, and we could we could spend a bit of time looking at our opponents who most of the time were arguing <laughs> they were calling over other players and having little discussions can you do this can you do that that's fucking really bad um you know yeah. so i was really i was really proud of how i supported laurie hopefully mm. you feel that way laurie I agree. Um, and then what by the end of the event i'm firmly on team laurie with with how like because the proof is in the pudding we we did the we won i'll i'll flex for you here laurie you won six nations or we won six nations but mostly you know i think a lot we, of came we won we won we won you team, game. team game team game but the best that you could possibly do it so no one's going to no one's going to surpass us right that's no. pretty fucking cool um and that I, I, what I like is I'm very much a, a psychological player, and what I really like about this style of trying to get the greens early is it just piles the pressure on your opponents in the late later stages of pairings, and mm. you're sitting there happy as Larry. You've already got your four greens. <laughs> There's four matches left, and we're already four up. Hey, fuck you! It's yeah. um, it's it's a really it was it was good from it was good from multiple perspectives. It's certainly I think it's better than 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 my approach. Mm. Um, and then you met so, so and then I went to worlds and I got to see the power of considering the scenario which is again mm-hmm. something I had never um I had not, I'm not so sure that was it might have been for you Laura but I I m- might not have picked up on how important the s- scenarios are when I was at Six Nation but I we, certainly did at worlds we did have it on the grid so they were they were oh, yeah, we, so did. we had, had did have it. it was part part of the process of it but uh I, I, you're right it didn't come up a huge amount but there were a couple of ones where it was like that person can't play that that match that scenario basically I've, I've got a little head and because of that means i've got a little brain i can only take in so much information at any one time you know so i was still yeah. in awe of this this better approach i didn't i didn't see the power of the scenarios but i did at worlds mm. um the world um jack Luke, Tom nailed um, pairings. They really did well. Um, and they really put a lot of work into considering the scenarios. And we've mentioned this before, but it meant that we got an average of 14 points in our red matches because we were really focusing, or they were really focusing on getting us in matches that we were good at, you know, in the scenario, which is, and that's brilliant. I mean, it's so simple. It's, it's, it's beautiful. I really like that. And I used this... I used a combination of these approaches when we um, played, uh, when we went to Brotherhood this year, when I went to Brotherhood um, with my, with them, um, with, with my team. Um, quick, question, and, quick question for you, Darren. Sorry, just to, yeah, yeah, go on. Um, how many different scenarios did you play at Worlds? Oh, don't fucking tell me, ask me that. I've got no idea. <laughs> but did, did you, okay, uh, did you play? I didn't sleep for five days and all I ate was potato. So I've got no idea. <laughs> but I, it's I all would, a fucking blur. <laughs> I, I would hazard a guess that if you were using pairings into scenarios as, mm-hmm. as an element of the strategy, then I would imagine yeah. that you played the same mission more than once. Yeah, yeah. So I was very good in the vices, for example. So yeah. I probably played that a couple of times. And then the um, I'm also very good, or my list was very good, I thought, into the one where you automatically win if you've got three. Um, Marking uh, territory, yeah. Yeah, oh, you're so yeah. good, Owen. When I grow up, I want to be just like you. No, <laughs> should, you, must, you need to get your commentating on stream or something, Owen, with that sort of knowledge. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That might be an idea. 
Well, I was going to say at Brotherhood, for me, that's a bit of a different kind of event. Like I went to, um, what's that wonderful club in Cardiff? Uh, very small, sticky floors. Metros. Metros. Metro, yeah. So um, I went to there two evenings on the trot and every time I did pairings, I was fucking hammered or hungover. It okay. Very, I've, got, very... I've got a joke for you then, Darren. Do you remember what happened in the pairings on the Sunday morning when you played against oh. Lit? No, I don't remember anything, but go on, tell me. Well, you all came in like the cat just dragged the whole team in. Um, and you, I can't remember specifically what happened, but basically your pairings cards, which is a whole thing as well, they oh. they had just had pictures. They didn't have words on them. So you got halfway through your first pairing, and then we <laughs> reminded you that that was Kragnos. That wasn't like some other <laughs> list. And you were like, shit, we don't want that pairing at all. So um, <laughs> note to everybody. Uh, sorry to yeah, interject, yeah. Darren, but yeah, make your pairings cards. I, yeah. I think it happened at Rob's Super Series as well, in that they paired into what they thought was Archeon, but the card had a picture, and it was a, ah. just another Slaves to Darkness list. Ah. Uh, it was AD Max, um, Demon Attention to detail. Yes, yeah. So, um, get, yeah, get get clear pairings cards to aid this process. But we sorry. had that with one of our teams as well at the Cardiff team tournament. We I was paired into the wrong scenario because the cards were wrong running around. <laughs> so I was paired well, into a awful space lizards list that i wasn't supposed to be so yeah if i could just add my own little story on that i remember at the the first extension that i played at um alex bruce uh, i was i was playing my um my daughter's a cane list uh, and alex bruce was a green into me or he thought he was a green into me but he got paired into me on the old hero mission where there were two objectives and i had marathi and it was in the realm of life where Marathi started with 13 wounds. So even if he fought her every single turn, he could only kill her turn, <laughs> turn four. I remember him turning up on the table and shouting at his captain, who was, um, what was his name? The old Wales captain before Mark. That was Tom Loyne. Yeah, Tom Loyne, thanks. Um, shouting at Tom, not on this scenario, green on anything else. But, yeah, that was, that was, I, was, I was playing next to you. you huh? Do you remember? I, was playing I do. I rolled you. your dice for you, didn't I? Yeah, you rolled a fucking one. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> on Lariel's teleport. Yep, pay for God. Well, um, so... Well, going back to going back to the sort of brotherhood there. Um, otherwise, I'll lose my train of thought. Sorry, um, no, you're good. Okay. You're right. It's not your fault. It's my scatty head. Um, so we also didn't manage <laughs> anything in the way of preparation. So we we didn't have a matrix matrix C's. We hadn't filled a matrices out or a matrix out. Oh, um, God, there's a joke well, I, about filling a matrices out, but I, I did <laughs> just say that, didn't I? Sorry, <laughs> Alex. Socks on, Owen. Keep, keep your socks on, please. You're probably going to have to edit that out, aren't you? Shit. <laughs> so I, yeah, so I, we, I, we had very little in the way of prep. The night before, I did organise everyone to come down and have a meal together, and we were going to, you know, go through matchups and what we thought we were good at, this, that, and the other. Um, but it got derailed when Rick and Ryan came down, pissed out of their heads. <laughs> so we didn't. We we went into it very, with very, very. I went into pairings, you know, not in the best state and with very, very little information. So I thought, right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to fall back on. Just, I'm just going to ask people, are you good in this scenario? Because there's a choice of two per round, right? Are you good in this scenario? Yes or no? But, you know, very simple information. Um, and I purely based all my decisions on the scenario to get rid of the mental load and to mean that I had some sort of strategy. Um, and that worked so well. Like, we, I mean, we, we, 
I can't mention it. I've got so I'm mentioning this to back up that statement that it worked well. We 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 took out the event. Um, Flex. And- <laughs> but there were other people there that had a five traffic light system, you know, and they had all these matrices and they had paper out and they were getting their getting their mates to come in and their mates were then arguing with them. And I just sometimes keeping it simple really can help you because <laughs> you can sit back and you can look at your opponent and you can be that guy that's all relaxed and having a joke about how little effort you've put into this and how much they're tryhards. You know, all of that is part and parcel of getting in your opponent's head, which I love to do. Um, so you can overcomplicate things. So I think there's a real, and that, that that's taught me that there is not only have I seen it in practice, but then I've used concentrating on scenario and if you've got no other pl- if you've got no other plan, you know, or you're worried in any way, that's for me. That's a really good way of just you know, you know wiping the slate clean. Especially if you get super stressed, because it's easy to get stressed, isn't it, when you're pairings? You know, you can revert back to that very simple tactic, and it's got, it's got some real strength to it. Yeah, absolutely. About that. <laughs> um, just before we end the section and go on to kind of mistakes and top tips. Um, the last sort of question I wanted to ask sort of related to the how green is green. Um, going forward, so for future events, international events, etc., um, do you think it should be left to individuals to grade their green-red matchups after the factors are picked? Or do you think it should be an overall or a kind of manager-style um, position to kind of choose that and I, i'll go to each of you and i'll start with you owen what do you think this is great because i was waiting to chip in and i've got quite a, a few thoughts on this because um if i may this actually goes to a greater point which is we've talked a lot about what people i don't do the pairings simon weekly does the pairings for wales and he's i mean i'm you guys have paired against him and he's a fantastic um tactician in that in that for that for that element of the pairings but as with anything in life, like data's only good if it's correct data. So I would say, you know, taking ourselves away from being at the pairings desk and, you know, doing that from the player perspective, like there's absolutely no point giving your, your giving the matrices, putting that information going like there's no point giving them shit data because that's going to create incorrect pairings. So, um, I would say that you should put teams, if you're going to go down that route, um, I I actually like what Darren said around having a simple approach, and I 100% agree with him on pairing into scenario. I think that's huge. Because how many games are you like in singles? You're like, oh, you know, his army should beat mine, but I'm, you know, I I can get up on the primary or I'm good on this mission. You know what I mean? Like, that's really important. Anyway, good data. So like, I actually quite like a five gradation, like uh, two greens, two reds and an amber. And, you know, you can attribute um, points to those uh, as in the amount of points you think you're going to get in the game. But I also take your point as well, Laurie, about how you can go too far and it can be a bit too messy. Um, But in terms of the way that that data is gathered, I actually think it needs to go through like three stages almost. I think... I, in teams I've been in, in the Welsh team, for example, we had almost like a buddy scheme where you would talk through your pairings with another player 
Um, that kind of happened organically and then it sort of got picked up as well. Yeah, um, and then also I think that there comes a point where you almost have like this, I don't know if it's, I've written down the term communal data. So it's like you, there are, there are layers of um, sort of analyzing that data and, and kind of questioning it and saying, are you sure? And, you know, so I think that it can't just be, the night before someone goes, oh, yeah, I smash Seraphon. Obviously, that's really bad data straight off the bat because um, nobody does. Ah. Um, sorry. I know we've been digging them out, but stupid. <laughs> <aren't we>? so, <laughs> um, but, yeah, definitely um, the quality of the data, that's that's the key point I want to make. That that I would say that, you know, have those conversations, buddy up with people, the, the matrix isn't something that just gets done and then submitted. It's like any document of importance, you know, it, it grows mm. and it evolves. So, you know, having it on a G drive and being able to everyone comment and add and edit and stuff like that, I think is really good. Um, yeah. And I know that we're trying to wrap up. Um, uh, and I agree wholeheartedly with exactly what Laurie and Darren have said. When the pairing starts, there should be no other fucker there. You know, mm-hmm. everyone's seen the picture of Bill Souza versus the French team. Mm-hmm. You know, that is a guy who is prepared to do the pairings and the team should be adjacent and ready to take that pairing and, and, and discuss or whatever. But all the work should be done ahead so that the guys have a super clear brain to then put the plan into place. Um, so, yeah, that's what I've got to say. Fantastic. Pairing is um, really important. Really important. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Owen. Um, Laurie, um, kind of touching, uh, again, sort of agree with what I was saying about kind of a team assessing the green, or uh, do you think managers going forward in the future might be lar- an option? I largely like what I was saying and agree with it. I think this idea, the idea of a buddy system, I think that's a really good solution to the problem of people being overly positive or overly negative. I think, again, I think I mentioned earlier, having a team approach there is quite helpful like if you're just if if you as team captain are clear right i'd like you all to be overly negative then that can be quite helpful like if that's what you're saying as a as a um uh, as a base level there's an element of knowing your team there as well i know that tom uh, morsley has talked a lot about how uh, the favorite person he or what used to be his favorite person to manage was always tony moore because tony was just so good at knowing what he'd get from a game he kind of go right. I, I'm going to get. I'm going to get you 15-5 here, and would. And so, uh, if you if you know that you're getting reliable data from a player, then that helps. And you you might know that that Jeff is a little bit optimistic, and that that Phil is a little bit uh, pessimistic. And so, having those elements to it is good too. Um, I think an important point though, which Owen didn't mention, is that whilst a buddy system checking it, a second level of of um, uh, going over them is is good. If a player doesn't believe their the data which you've assigned to them, then that really undermines the whole process. Um, interestingly, with with the aforementioned list of Russes, he hadn't got loads of games in before Six Nations of that, and so as a result, him and uh, James Tinsdale did the uh, matchups together. And I think it, it there was that element that Russ didn't quite feel as much ownership of of the matchups as if he'd done them all by himself, having played four or five tournaments with the army. It, it was a, a result of the p- position we found ourselves in. And, and in the end, as I say, it, it worked well. But I, I certainly think that there, there is that element, that risk there. If, the, if you kind of, if someone creates their own matchups, and then you go through them and you go, well, 
look, I think actually this is a green for you. You put it down as a red. I think that's a green for you. If the player then goes into that matchup, which you've got as a green, but in their head, they're still thinking, oh, that's a red. Then that's, again, that's that's dodgy data potentially, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Um, Darren, same to you. What do you think? Agree with the, the other two? Uh, um, a case by case basis depends on who who you've got yeah. on your team. It um, depends how, like Laurie pointed out, some people are very pessimistic. Other people have got no fucking idea how terrible they are. Mm. Um, uh, <laughs> so you have to, yeah, it's a yeah, a case by case, um, a case by case basis. For me, it's a mixture of the two. Um, but I will keep what I ultimately feel very. What I what I what I say. And what I actually feel are often two very different things. If you are the person that's in charge of the pairings, because you don't just have that raw data and that raw information in front of you. You've got to think about the emotional state of your players as well. So I very rarely like to use the term bus, for example. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. You've been bust. Yeah, fuck that. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. Um, I, absolutely. I think you can acknowledge that someone's in a, a difficult spot, let's say, but you don't need to concentrate on it. Concentrate on more what they can do in a game rather than, you know whether or not they're fucked. Um, so I never, I never use that that term. So those, um, those, um, those sort of when you are in in control, um, I will I will <laughs> take what someone thinks, and if I think something different, sometimes I will change it. Oh, no. But it will also depend on what stage you're at in the pairings. If they're going very well, then you can you can push it, and you can hope for a bit more from a game from someone. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, that kind of evolves as the, the pairings are going on, that, that, that those sort of decisions, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it does I think, make perfect I think, sense. I think there is that, also that point worth noting is that you, you are ultimately the person doing the matchups. So if there is a green that you know is a green and the, the, this person might be sure it's a red, but you know it's a green, you can still match it do the matchup as if it's a green in your head. You might not change on the process and you might, might be like, Oh, sorry, you know, giving you a bit of a tough one, but I believe in you. I think you really, I think you've got the potential to do it because in your head, you're like, right, I've done this matchup a hundred times myself. Um, they've just had bad luck in the past. They will smash this. And like, you have got that you are, you are ultimately the person in charge. So you might not have to change it actually on your, on your matrix or your matrices. Um, you might just change it informally in your head. Yeah. Perfect what sense. I found, what I found quite often in, in being on any team is when people look to the experience, and uh, you know, <laughs> as fun as it might may sound, people do um, look to me for sort of advice before sort of games. Um, quite often, you can say, "Well, you, you can do this, that, and the other." You know, you can play in this way, and it might be some way that they've not sort of realised, and then they go, "Oh," and it clicks for them. Oh, you are right. <laughs> you know, so you can turn because it might be in a in a scenario in a matchup that they um, that they that, that they hadn't seen it the way you had. Because um, all the the, info, the the information at the beginning isn't going to be a hundred percent correct. There's no way you can get that. So don't be afraid. What I'm trying to say is, don't be afraid to um, change. Oh God, this sounds terrible, really. But change the data on the day. You know, you, it could be you've got loads of information throughout the tournament about a particular matchup or a particular scenario, or or a rule that you um, the scene the scenery rules how they how they actually affect the game because some packs are very different to other packs. So you can think something, but then seeing it in practice can often be different. So the the data that you have, 
you could it could be wrong just because you don't have experience in, into that particular pack. So sometimes don't be afraid to adapt. Don't be too formulaic. You want to be some. You want to have some flexibility in that. I mean, this is all very. <clears throat> again, using our sport analogy, just because they've been, sports been doing it for decades, but obviously they've got very set plans how they want to play. But obviously, there needs to be a bit of flex if things don't go quite how they thought they would, or if they go just how they thought they would. That's be a bit of flex, right? So, yeah. um, fascinating, right? Biggest mistake or a top tip from each of you, please. So, Darren, if we start with you, biggest mistakes or a tip you find for pairings, team building that you want the listeners to go away with? Uh, just yeah, don't be arguing. Don't be arguing. You don't know how emboldening that is. If I see a couple of people having, you know, slightly, there's that weird thing where you're trying to whisper so your opponents can't hear you, but you're also <laughs> super animated because you really want to make your point and you yeah. can't do it with a loud voice, you know. So just communicate, put, put a bit of thought into how you're going to communicate before you go to the pairings because large gesticulations um embolden your opponents <laughs> great absolutely great laurie biggest mistake or a tip that you'd like the listeners to go away with um i think a tip is it's quite a hard one i think well one that, that i've struggled with is don't brag too much before the games are finished about how well the pairings go if they've gone if they've gone well for you because I find that really hard. Like when it's pairings gone well for me, I want to immediately go, fucking hell, chaps, we got six out of eight greens. And all you're doing there is just heaping a whole lot of pressure on your team. Um, so that's, I that's the opposite. I slap the table and like, come on, let's go. We've well, got them. Well, it depends, it depends again on context, doesn't it? But like, I, I, I remember, uh, if you remember, Darren, the, the Scotland matchup, we had a, uh, yeah. uh, we were uh, matching into not a human being, but JP Gannis's, uh, 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 app he'd created purposely for this. Oh yeah, interesting. Yeah. I mean, so this was AI that we were dealing with, and we oh, came away from screwed that. Then, I, I'd say, well, <laughs> well, exactly. It came away from that, and I remember. Um, uh, I think we got we got six or seven greens. It, it went well for us in our head, uh, and then uh, Luke Morton very helpfully helpfully told us that according to JP's process, they they were up by fifteen points on that round, um, and he messaged <laughs> that in the, in the team in the chat. I was like, oh, seriously, that's really really helpful of you to share that, <laughs> yeah. share that information with us all. Um, and um, and so there, I I just the feeling was that on paper, or on in terms of the matchup uh, matrix, things have gone well for us. I think the feeling was that these weren't easy wins. There are a few there which, whilst were green, were maybe not not the greenest green. Um, that uh, there's a black hatter joke there, isn't there? Purest green. They weren't. They weren't the purest green. And so I think me me going around going, Jesus Christ, I smashed that. Lads. You, better, you better pretty well follow up. Uh, I don't think would have been helpful, actually. Um, I take your point, Darren, that if, if, you know, if actually you want to boy up your team, then certainly that's a tool to use. But, but if you, if you feel like you've got a whole lot of close games uh, going to be going on and you're going around uh, like the cocks, um, pajamas, whatever, uh, then yeah, that's not, that's not helpful. Um, no, yeah, I mean, like, it doesn't, it doesn't um, make you end up being liked very much. No. Fair enough. No, that's a yeah, the whole AI matchup and how green is green, how red is red is that's for me personally, that's super interesting going forward and how that might change things. Yeah. Um yeah. Owen, biggest mistake or a tip? I can't stop thinking about how the Scottish software is gonna be like AI. We're using <laughs> AI. <laughs> I, I, I was the one that did bad accents. But... No, that was great. Come on. There's been a murder. 
Um, There's anyway. been a murder <laughs> with the AI. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Um, uh, mine is more of a teams-based tip. A tip for the teams out there. Anyone want tip to for start the teams. a team? Tip teams, teams, teams. Tips for the teams. Tips, tips, teams, yeah. Get yourself some shirts and maybe some <laughs> dice if you fancy. Because or some socks. Socks even. Because you look around and you've got your teammates there, your brothers and sisters in battle, and you're all bedecked in some kind of awful vest or something, perhaps, Laurie. Maybe team. All team, shots team. fired. That was, <laughs> I'm, I swear that wasn't there a team that had shirts and they all had pictures of you on as well, Laurie? That yeah, was me. That was you, wasn't it? That's, <laughs> happened, that's now happened three times. Which... <laughs> you're very photogenic. Yeah. Well, well, well. This is odd. Once was uh, well, to, to be fair. Once was Team Keen had vest tops with all of our pictures on, so that's that's understandable. And then yeah, mm. Darren's done it. And then at, at the recent Buckler's uh, Invitational, they all had pictures of me on. I wasn't even there. Um, yeah, you just you you're just, just in their heads, Laurie. You just you're rent free in their minds. Oh, well, you know what we're going to have to do now? We're going to have to do. Let's go wild socks. <laughs> 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 Um, so yeah, my point is, um, yeah, make, get some shirts made, even if it's just some iron on transfers with the name and stuff, cause it's a memento and it's, yeah. it's nice to look around and I would, so I would say like, you're right. If you can get cheap shirts, great. But, um, the current, the more recent ones we've got for my local team, we've only just started playing like as a proper team team mm. are, are those kind of quite, quite basic level ones. They are very hot. They are very sweaty. So I would, when you're, when you're producing your, the team lit ones are designed by the head of a year 10 GCSE IT team. Um, but they are very, very easy to wear. Um, they're very thin and very, you know, sports material. So mm-hmm. that's why I would say is that if you, if you are getting yourself some t-shirts, then maybe get some nice ones, which won't make you sweat about a hundred, hundred degrees. Yes. I, yeah. I've got a tip there. Another tip is uh, OYO is the sort of um, the esports jerseys. I think it's what a Brilliant. lot of the international teams use, and that's what we use. They have a three D designer thing online, and you can put your own logo on. Oh there. yeah, I've seen these before. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was what because obviously I'm the uh, the chief drip um, manager for the Welsh team. So. <laughs> is that your, that's your official title, <laughs> chief my, drip manager, yeah, chief drip manager, <laughs> creative director, and uh, yeah. Uh, Drip distributor. I'll, I'll await the spinny necklaces to come through, Owen, for your next uh, Sigma team. As well. Soon, soon. Um, anyway, yeah, that's my slightly um, silly, but uh, no, I, I think that's perfect because if you're uncomfortable and you're hot and sweaty, you're not going to play as well, are you? Psychologically, playing any game if you're uncomfortable. Yeah. And dice um, and gauges and all that jazz. It's like it's a team, right? You know, you yeah. want to you want to feel like a team. Yeah, perfect, fantastic, right. To our final section, um, Darren, I don't want you to wake up everyone in the house, but please uh, take it away. The misplays. Oh, lovely. That was lovely. That was great. Lovely, Darren. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks. Oh, I right. feel 10% sexier doing that. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have you with misplays, over with matrices. I mean, it's going to turn into an ASMR podcast. I was going to um, say ASMR is sort of Age of Sigmar. ASMR, right? Ooh, beautiful. Oh, beautiful. We, we might do, be onto we'll something do, there. I think we're, we're doing, doing, we're doing an ASMR uh, mini episode. And you can do that, the, the Disney joke again about, he's coming, or it's coming. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> right, and what I am excited for 
is the misplays. So for those of you who listened to our last episode, you will know that uh, we had, and as I mentioned at the start of this episode, we had some fantastic responses for the misplays. Uh, my favourites being Ming's railroading his army, but Craig, uh, Craig Danvar's uh, forgetting a whole turn was obviously excellent. And we've had even more amazing replies and responses to your misplay. So thank you very much for sending those in. Um, so if we go around, um, we've all each got a few or one, I think. So um, Darren, do you want to kick us off? Uh, I'll do one of my own and then one of Tom. I think it's Parry. It's Tom Paz 1984 on Twitter. But uh, I'll start with my own. Um, I lost a game once against Dan Ford that I'd already won. <laughs> Livid. It was, uh, I can't remember the scenario. I'm sure Owen remembers it. You both had three um, objectives in your deployment. And the, the longer you kept them, they were worth more. So they were worth one point if you had if you burnt them at the end of the turn. They were worth four points if you burnt them from th- turns three to four onwards. And they were worth eight, a massive eight, if you managed to keep them for five turns. You know, so it wasn't just having them on, on turn five. It was having them for five consecutive turns and then burning them. Um, and I, I managed to play Dan Ford, and it was incredibly tough because he'd he had this army of undead, and it was just you know it's a typical Dan Ford list. It was like forty skeletons, forty skeletons, forty skeletons. He had like fifteen black knights, and he had another unit of ten black knights that could that were off board and could come on. So it's just grindy as hell. And I was using old Seraphon. Um, but I managed to feed him units and keep him in his own deployment. And I was doing ever so well. And then I went for this one big play that I'd engineered from the, you know, the very beginning. So I was super pleased with it. I got saved up all my summoning points. I teleported my two units because it was back in the days when Seraphon could teleport two units across all the way to the side of the board. And then I made this big unit of 40 skink, uh, 40 skinks at the time. I made them be able to fly. And because he'd set up in lines, it was it meant that I could jump over and I could weather. I put so many skinks on his objective and I managed to grab one of his objectives that I didn't think I was going to be able to do. And I burnt it straight away before he could re- he could reply. Now, at that point in the game, it was turn four. I could have burnt that that one for a point, but I could have also burnt my one on the left and the center one. And a lot of my army was buggered. It was all castled around this other one. And I'd forgot that he had these units that could come on from off board. He had like 10 Black Knights ready to do so. So I should have, at that point, I'd won the game because I could have burnt that objective for four points, the other one for four points and had nine points, castled around my last objective which he could not have gotten for eight points. So I'd have ended up on 17 points and he'd have burnt his two and only been able to get 16. So at that point, I'd won the game. But then he looked at me. He was waiting for me to say that. And I never said it. And with glee, he said, right, my turn. (laughs) (laughs) I can see his face now. Yeah, you've never played. um, I I doubt you've ever played. um, Oh, if you haven't played um, Dan Ford, he's absolutely lovely, but he's got these big, emo- you know, big, yes. deep, bald eyes. It's like he microdoses. That's the. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I'm sure that's not the case. I'm sure I think it's he's just- in. I think he's in bomb disposal. So I, I he, no, he works in a nuclear power plant. There you go. I hope he, I hope he, he doesn't microdose. <laughs> you can tell you some scary stories about how you can die. Um, let me tell you <laughs> from 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 nuclear particles. But anyway, that's another conversation. But yeah, so he took his turn. He just wandered on the board. Took my. Um, he he. It did require him to win a priority into into turn five because he came on. You know, I had set up sunscreens, but it wasn't sufficient 
it wasn't sufficient um it wasn't sufficient defense so i lost and it was at the masters and all our game was um a little bit over time like two or three minutes so every other potential master was surrounded around you know around me so it's the worst time to mm. make a fuck up like that is having an audience of people that you know you're potentially going to have to play later <laughs> so well done dan um for keeping stum and uh, beating me in the end mm. but that was my uh, you know losing a game that you you've already won that's that's a pretty big doozy isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. darren just very quickly uh for, mm. for completion's sake i think the mission was better part of valor <laughs> <laughs> thanks Owen. you're welcome, you're welcome. And then um, Tom Parry, bless him. Um, I've <laughs> been at an event. I think it was Bobo before. You know how John likes to talk throughout the rounds. I remember day two, Tom was pissed out of his head and he would just kept talking very loudly to me whilst John was trying to do the announcer and it was hilarious. Good man, Tom. Um, his misplay here is he took he once took his chameleon skinks off the board turn three to redeploy them next turn. Um Forgetting that, of course, they die because they need to be on the. T- they can't be if they're off the table after turn yeah. three. They're dead. <laughs> so they just he just took them off to die. Yeah, it's good. He I just like took that them one. off and they died. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I really, really like, like that one these ones. The one. <laughs> yeah, I really like these these ones. This is sort of a theme for my ones that I've got. But um, Laurie, any misplays? Uh, my well, I think Darren's obviously shared one of my one of my. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember that uh, one at all. Yeah, that oh, one. Uh, I, I don't remember. <laughs> Darren shared my final position was I scattered dice. I fell to the floor um, and scattered dice across the hall. Such <laughs> abject misery. Um, but another another excellent turns out as as you said earlier, Alex. We've all got many more misplays than we have plays. Another excellent misplay. I was playing Craig. Um, previously mentioned Craig. Uh, top table. Game five, blood and glory. Basically, whoever win would, would at least podium probably take first place. And this was like a hundred mana or so. Uh, it was on, on blood and glory, the old scenario, blood and glory, where if you took all four, then you'd, uh, you'd win. Um, and, uh, the thing with blood and glory was, and maybe you'll remember it from back in the day is that whenever you got to turn two, you always had to remember that, you know, turn three, you could win. Because it wasn't it wasn't end of turn three. It was at any point during turn three. If you controlled all mm. four, you'd win. So you really had to play turn two, thinking about turn three. I won priority because it, it was a close game. I had my Winterleaf list, and and he was running um, the old um, Gav Bomb um, uh, Evocators list, and really close game. And I kind of I won the priority into two. I was like, right, I really need to consolidate here. Taking a bit of a bashing, need to get myself back into a good position. Played a pretty solid turn, cleared quite a lot of stuff uh finished my turn said all right your turn and then looked at the board and went oh fuck if he wins priority into three he he wins just and then he played and he hadn't tweeted craig hadn't tweeted played the entirety of turn two and he pushed stuff around and i was just sat there kind of biting my lip like shit yes he still doesn't realize still doesn't realize mm. old priority i lost priority and he carries on playing and he starts moving models around like oh, hey, mm. fucking hell maybe maybe i'm gonna gonna get away. he doesn't maybe he doesn't know yeah. And then he moves moves one unit and then he moves another and goes, wait, I've, I've won, haven't I? And I go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is like, and like and 40 minutes earlier, I text, I think I text in the Sylvan F chat or something like that and gone, yeah, I fucking lost this. And then 40 minutes later, Craig finally goes, 
yeah, I've, I've won, haven't I? I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then we shook hands. This, this was, sorry, I'm not sure if I said, but this was on Warhammer TV back in the days when Warhammer TV covered um, covered independent events as well as their own events. Uh, and uh, you had, I think it was Nick Baton and someone else uh, commenting over there. And they cut away from us. And then I just, I just uh, remember kind of clenching myself into a little, little fetal ball and shouting, fuck. <laughs> and if you if you watch the commentary back you could just see them they go okay and we had a good get and they both just paused as i just realized how i'd thrown that away so so comprehensively um because i still had i still had like 50 drives and alario left but i just left a gap for him to get onto the onto my objective um so yeah that that was impressive and i, I then then in more recent times did it again with lurkers below just just uh two tournaments ago so yeah learning learning from mistakes clearly always always i'd love to find that footage of them commentating i bet it's quite an alan partridge moment (laughs) them. i'd love to find that footage yeah me too Um, amazing thanks sorry uh owen oh well i fuck up all the time so i I, it's, it's too numerous so i don't have a standout um but i do want to mention one that we got sent in um which is another, there's a lot, like you say, Alex, there's a lot of kind of, it seems like um, null deploying or keeping things off the board is is a bit of a trap. Or, <laughs> yeah, it feels like that, doesn't you it? You know what I mean? It's yeah. yeah. a very famous picture. I think it's actually a 40K picture where there's a guy. Oh, yeah, with there's the 40K, yeah. Yeah, and he's kind of, yeah, everyone's seen that picture. So, yeah. Anyway, I think um, a, a tip, I know it's not the right uh, section, but perhaps um, have a token or maybe some kind of little mascot or something to remind you about your stuff off the board. I think Nurglings off the board and have to come on turn one. How many times have you played against someone playing Nurgle and you're like, yeah, go on, just drop them somewhere next to some terrain. It's fine. I don't mind. Um, but yes, I wanted to mention this because I really like Joe. I've never got to play Joe. I think it's Grzynski from mm. one of the Justice Series guys. I really like idea. Yeah, lovely guy. And he's messaged in to say he left um, what equates to a quarter of his army off the board. So two units of Blood Knights and a unit of Zombies in reserve on a super cagey game of the Vice. Game three at the Justice Series GT last year. Suddenly, turn four, and my opponent informs me one quarter of my army is now destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I w- a I wouldn't want to be that guy, but at the same time, you know, if you're playing <laughs> if, if you're playing in a competitive game, then you would you know that feeling when you're like he's yeah. he's fucking forgotten, isn't he? Oh my god, he's forgotten. <laughs> We're into the shooting phase. This is glorious. Um, but yeah, so hard luck, Joe. But I'm sure you had a big smile on your face uh, while yeah, you absolutely realized. thanks, Joe. And as you say, the amount of people—I mean, never, never bloody happens to me when I'm playing someone. But um, the amount of people that sent me messages saying they they forget and they destroy stuff with it not coming down. Um, yeah, maybe my top tip is yeah, token or get something, anything, paper, anything to help you remember that half your army is going to about to be destroyed in a turn. Um, maybe maybe just don't those. have any crutches and just put it, all <laughs> the, put, it all on the fuck, put it all on the fucking board and use the movement phase instead. How about that? I think yeah, now that tip. go on, Barry. Sorry, now that you're playing Sylvanifer, and I don't think you can be quite as salty about crutches anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not on a gash bear. You've got yeah, and beasts. Yeah, and beasts as well. Yeah, yeah. Heresy. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Uh, mine. So, again, so there were so many to choose from, so apologies if we didn't get around to all of them. We will keep doing these because they're fantastic. Um, uh, one sent in from Jack Davenport at J Davenpot. 
is your yeah. Twitter handle. Um, so he Jack says, uh, I deployed my bone splitters uh, out of range to deny uh, my Skaven opponent a turn of shooting, um, which sounds great. But then uh, he then used his pre-game move to move himself back into range and then gave his opponent the first turn and then got shot off, which I think is is fantastic, Jack. Thank you very much for, for, for sending that in. Um, please don't do that in the future. Don't move your whole army back into range after keeping them out of range. Uh, and then a similar one. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, back from Mikey Wendell. Um uh, I like this one because I think there's a, also an autocorrect in there, which is absolutely amazing. And I'm going to read it out as the autocorrect. So, uh, uh, Mikey or Mix says, uh, I picked Desecrate Panda as my battle <laughs> tactic against uh, Lumineth. Uh, as I controlled the piece of terrain from the previous turn, uh, I moved off it to chase another unit. And then at the end of the shooting phase, a fox flies back onto it and steals it. And I lose the <laughs> battle tactic, um, which I think is a great because foxes and be the fact you put <laughs> pictures of great Panda, which has then led to a whole new twitter thread about uh basically people winding him up about pandas uh with peter pratt saying i bet you couldn't bear it and <laughs> yes. it had you bamboozled <laughs> Um, so, which is great so yes so thank you for that and um, any others gents or should we call it there no, I'm grand. I'm grand. They were grand. We're all good. Fine. Fantastic. So again, yes, thank you, everyone. And, and again, thank you to all of our lovely followers. We will get those socks soon and we'll let you know. Um, the next few episodes, depending on scheduling, um, we've got a few in the pipeline, but they'll revolve around. Uh, we've got one on sportsmanship, one on psychology, which I can't wait to do. Uh, mm. And one to talk about playing on stream and also one about some some weird tome that's coming out at some point we'll, we'll do something about that um so please do keep uh stay stay in touch with us we'll, we'll get around to those episodes but all's left for me to say is thank you very much laurie thank you for coming along cheers guys thanks for having me yes yes thank you thanks laurie uh, thanks darren thanks owen um thanks lovely and uh for all the listeners do keep sending your questions in and your misplays we love reading them we love reading them out even the piss-taking ones so be kind look after each other And we'll catch you all next time. So cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.